Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 6 of my Forcer-based podcasting coming at you. Proudly sponsored and brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, so today, it's uh, Sunday, we're opening the vault on one of my old player interviews uh, from my old website. Today's guest, um, or today's interview, will, my guest was Joey Tedarenko, and he was great. Uh, played in the WHL for four years, the Portland Winterhawks, was a Memorial Cup champion. Uh, then he went on to play nine years of pro, drafted by the Florida Panthers, played with the Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes, bounced around the American Hockey League. Um, and Joey had some great stories about playing with Pavel Burry. It's funny running with Bill Holder. Had some great camp stories. And uh, no, he can uh, he can tell a tale, I'll tell you that. And uh, you will be highly entertained by Joey. I know we had a... And, um, one of the easiest interviews I've done, like I said, it was just basically hit record and, and Joey just went. And uh, it's no surprise that I heard him and his friend Kelly Taylor from Prince Albert have uh, have their own podcast out now, Tick and Tets. And uh, like I said, they can both tell a story and it was a lot of fun. So uh, I think you guys will really dig it. But uh, yeah, guys, other than that, uh, I won't talk too long because I know Joey and I, the interview is quite long. Um, but yeah, hit YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Um, I have about 2,000 fight videos up there. I added like 10 or 15 new fights here in the last couple of days. Some really cool stuff like Sarah Bears and Ty Domi in the American League and John Cordick versus Luke Crawford from the American League. Love Terry Ryan, Fredericton fights. And like I said, I'm just going through some DVDs I just got. And, uh, yeah, I'll be putting up some real cool stuff here in the, in the near future. So definitely subscribe to the channel. And uh, that way, anytime I put a video up, you'll get notified. Like I said, there'll always be good tilts, and uh, I think you guys will dig it. But uh, other than that, if you guys could, like I always say, when you go on iTunes or Spotify or wherever platform you're listening, if you could rate rate and review my show, it helps me out, and uh, it would be greatly appreciated. And if you're on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, um, you know, uh, sign up, or uh, if you're already on there, follow me and hit me up, send me a DM, let me know what you thought of the show. Um yeah, hey, future topics that I should be talking about or who I should talk to or if you want to come on, let me know. Everyone's got a story. So, uh, like I said, hit me up on Twitter and uh, and we can go from there. But other than that, uh, like I said, the Hockey Podcast Network, we got, uh, you know, every NHL team is represented. We got Terry Ryan on there, Brady Leavold, the uh, Hockey to Heroin podcast. He's uh, just had Chris Nyland on. Analytics show. Um, you know, and then, of course, with the fight... You know, these guys aren't on the network, but, you know, my boy's got to throw them out there. Alec with the uh, Five for Fighting podcast, William over at the Biscuit, Dan at the Obey the Puck show, Slewfoot show, Get the Gate, you know, all those guys. I mean, they've supported me. Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, they've always been a big supporter of, uh, of myself. So, you know, we've got to share some love, of course. And, uh, 
Yeah, so, and I know, there, like I always say, I know there's only so much time in the day that people have to, and everyone on their dog is a podcast these days, but, uh, you know, give us a little guy, you know, we're all struggling for our time, so, uh, you know, if uh, if you listen to this right now, thank you very much for uh, for deciding on the uh, on the fourth line voice, so to speak, and uh, and because uh, I know there's there's lots. Every it's like everyone and their dog has a show now, so um, you know, like I said, I always appreciate anybody tuning in. So, but like I said, I won't yap too long for tonight or uh, for today. Um, sorry, folks. You know, just, just got back from my brother's place. Had a, got into a few of the had a few pops uh, here on the on the long weekend here in Canada. But uh, uh, I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. And uh, I know it's crazy times right now, but uh, you know, let's do our best to social distance and uh, you know, and think of others and be safe. But uh, all right, guys, here we go. Let's get this interview going with Joey Tedarico and Joey. And uh, we will talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks, guys. On the phone, I have a Memorial Cup champion, Florida Panther draft pick, uh, and 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 above all, a good old Saskatchewan boy, Joey Tedarenko. Joey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's a hey, pleasure. Appreciate you uh, taking the time. And uh, like I said, we uh, we were going to do this uh, yesterday, but we uh, mutually decided that. Today will be better. You got more time, and uh, you said you really wanted to, uh, you know, really give the uh, folks out there a, a solid interview, which I appreciate, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, like I said, I was honored that you're you're having me on, and just kind of had me doing a little bit of research and going over like the guys that I that I played with, tussled with, and it's it's actually you know a, a nice a nice trip down memory lane to be able to talk about it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, well, like I said, we'll uh, we'll be getting into uh, teammates, opponents, and uh, every, all the different leagues. Like I said, we'll timeline your career, and uh, but uh, we'll start off. So you're from uh, born in St. Louis, Saskatchewan, just outside of Prince Albert. And uh, I was actually looking up your your dad played in the Western Hockey League, correct? Yeah, he, my dad uh, played when Prince Albert was still an SJ team. Uh, he played with the Raiders, and then. Uh, he, he played uh, in Swift Current with actually, you know, a hand or a bunch of really, uh, a really longtime NHLers. Tiger Williams was on his team. Brian Trottier, uh Ron Delorme, Terry Ruskowski. You know, he uh, he was on a really great team that uh, actually ran into the Regina Pats in the Western Finals and then didn't get to go to the Memorial Cup. So he uh, he has a lot of stories about them too. So it's pretty it's pretty awesome to come from the from that lineage. I was going to say, yeah, definitely uh, a hockey family. And uh, so obviously I, w- I would assume right from, right from go, you had skates on and were out on the pond. Yeah. It was just kind of the culture of our community. You played, uh, you played ball, you played hockey, you played golf, whatever it was, even crib or, or cards, you know, it was ultra competitive community that, you know, just a lot of great athletes from, from our small town. So yep. it was, a, it was a good place to grow up and, and, and kind of learn the ropes from, from, all the the past athletes that have been in town. Yeah, well, for sure. Um, well, so to get into your, uh, so you grew up playing now, uh, obviously minor hockey in the in the Prince Albert area, um, and then I know on your for people out there checking out Joey's stats right now on the elite prospects, it says in ninety three ninety four you played in the SJHL with North Battleford, but that is not true. You actually played AAA midget in North Battleford, correct? Yeah, that's exactly it. I, uh, you know, being close to PA, 
actually not being within PA's borders, I wasn't allowed to play minor hockey inside Prince Albert, so I always had to be outside. Then once I was drafted by the Portland Winterhawks, um, I didn't go play for the, the midget AAA Mentos or the Raiders at the time. I actually went over to North Battleford and just played midget AAA there. I believe at the time, uh, like we spoke about earlier, I was originally uh, property of the Nippon Hawks and then over to Kindersley. And then once I started playing midget AAA in North Battleford, um, I think I was the, the North Stars property, but actually just played on the, the little North Stars, didn't, didn't get up to play with, uh, with the, the big North Stars. So. Yeah, um, yeah, and that uh, you know that AAA midget league has uh, has produced many a uh, many a player. That's for sure, um, solid league. And uh, but so while at sixteen, you're 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 off to the Western Hockey League and uh, and the and the Portland Winterhawks. Um, what was that? Well, not only at sixteen are you leaving home, but you're leaving the country. How was uh, how was your adjustment to uh, to going down to Portland? Where you? Was it tough, or were you ready to roll, or how'd that go? Um, well, looking back, I, I, I really think, um, you know, I, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, coming from St. Louis, North Battleford was a big city for me. So going from North Battleford to, to Portland and not really even knowing where Portland was on a map um, was, was kind of a shock for me. But I think uh, not knowing was, was a blessing, just because, you know, you go there, you're – you get put with a family, new teammates and everything. And it, it helps just to be able to, to focus on hockey. And, you know, you have 20, 20 guys that are all focused on the same thing. So being that young, it was, uh, it was, it was actually pretty easy for me. I was, I, I like to say I had a lot of confidence and maybe a little coffee. So going in there, I think it, it was, uh, it was pretty easy for me. The hockey, once we started was a little bit of adjustment, obviously, because it's, it's such an excellent league and there's some such great players that I was playing with and against. Um, it took a little bit of time to, to get up the speed of this pace of play, but you know, I think that's when fighting came in. <laughs> I could, I could adjust it and, and slow the game down by that. Yeah. Now, was that something that you uh, were, were conscious of or was it sort of like, you know, it's like, wow, I'm here now. Like, I mean, back then it was in that, in the, in the dub in the nineties, it was like, you know, you were getting into some, didn't matter what you did, but, uh, were you like, were you always a physical guy? Like, did you like, I guess, take some boxing or get ready for it? Or did you just sort of fall? Well, into it? I, I was always a very aggressive player. I was always a big kid growing up. So, you know, I was always, you know, a really big kid for my age. And, and actually my first fight that I had ever been in, um, was at midget AAA camp. Um, a couple of years earlier before I actually played for the team, I, I actually, you know, I'm not sure if you remember uh, a guy named Kevin McKay who yep. was with Moose Jaw and then, then played for Saskatoon. He's from North Battleford. And I remember going to midget AAA camp. I, I think it was like 14 and he was just absolutely beating on everybody at camp. And, and I don't know why I did it. I thought maybe I had to stick up for, for my inner squad team that we're doing. And we just went, we went at it toe to toe and that was kind of my first taste and I did really well. Um, you know, and then my dad being in the Western hockey league and then, you know, kind of knew the ropes from there. He, he kind of made sure that I wasn't going in, you know, with face first and yeah. kind of gave me a little bit of tips and how to protect myself and, and, and go from there. And I think it was, you know, once the heat of the game started, I really didn't think about too much. And if it happened, it happened. It's not something that I sweated over early. So. Yeah. Um, well, and like you said, just looking at your team here, I mean, so you go in, it's a pretty, uh, you know, you had Richard Zednick and Scatchard and Adam Deadmarsh and Nolan Pratt and 
um, you know, Jason Weimer for a little bit. Uh, how were how were they uh, how were they as uh, as the older guys near the sixteen year old coming in? How they treat you? Um, actually, the whole team. It was kind of the the, the Winterhawks had gone to the Western Finals against Swift Current, I think, the year before. Or, no, they had lost to Kamloops the year before. That was, I think, Kamloops' uh, first or second Memorial Cup on their run. Uh, and, everybody and, lost to Kamloops back then, yeah. Yeah, everybody lost to Kamloops. And, and actually, Portland had a stacked team the year before I got there. I think the first six guys had over 90 points. Like, they were they were one of the favorites to actually go go to the Memorial Cup, and they were kind of upset. So, and in the WHL, you load up, and then it's kind of a transition, a lot of young guys. Yeah, we had, you know, Richard Zednick, but that was Richard Zednick's first year coming over from, from Slovakia. You know, Adam De- or Dave Scatcherd, you know, great player, um, Adam Deadmarsh and, and Jason Weimer, but we were actually really a young team. So it was actually easy for, for us to, 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 you know, glue together because we're all kind of pretty young. We only had Jason Weimer and Adam Denmarsh for, yeah. you know, that was the year of the, of the lockouts. We basically only had them till November. Uh, and then, then we were really young after that. So. Yeah. Well, and like you said, um, well, and a teammate I want to talk to you about, um, you know, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, he passed away, but one of the toughest dudes I ever saw was the late Brad Symes. Um, uh, do you do you do you have any stories of Brad? Uh, yeah, when I was a sixteen year old, and and you know Brad was 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 super tough, and, and, yep. and he could punch right through somebody's yep. helmet, right through their head, and that's how he fought. He didn't throw a lot of punches in a fight whenever he fought, but once he got a hold of you, he would wait, and then he would just load up and just throw as hard as he could, try to throw right through your face, and. And actually, Brad was a really good friend of mine. He was a great mentor to me when when I first got there because after, you know, the, the KL House, Houses and the John Benukes had gone a couple of years earlier, Brad was basically the, the preliminary tough guy for, for the Portland Winterhawks. And for me coming in as a 16-year-old, you know, kind of, especially as a defense and I was playing defense at the time and I actually played with him a little bit as my defense partner when I was younger. And, and he kind of taught me the ropes, not, not in so much of a of a, you know, he wouldn't tell me what to do, but, you know, just watching him and, and how we train and stuff like that. And he was, he was a really, really nice, really nice guy. Um, I remember, you know, him and uh, Dave Kamek when I first got there, you know, all the rookies would sit at the front of the bus and uh, Dave would sit at the, the, the three back seats by the bathroom. And I remember them, you know, asking me if I was tough enough to come to the back of the bus and so I went and sat between them, and they they just beat the crap out of me <laughs> in the back of the bus, and then sent me back to the front. So that was a little bit of a, a little bit of an orientation to the to the Portland Winterhawks as a sixteen year old. So it's a, it's a, looking back, you know, like the things that we used to do on the bus, and, and you know, hazing and stuff like that. You know how offside everything was. It was kind of crazy, but you know, look back, and, and, and you know, Brad was such a great guy, and very unfortunate, you know, that that he passed really early so yeah no absolutely and uh yeah and i just uh yeah i wanted to ask you about him because uh I, yeah i've seen some of the fights and some of the um for anybody listed if you don't know uh go on youtube my fourth line voice the my youtube page i have a bunch of brad symes fights up there well and a bunch of joey's fights up there as well but uh yeah he was a he was a bad dude boy Oof. yeah he got into some good ones him and Purington just like pounded each other that one night that was yeah 
Yeah, that was that was that was an awesome fight, and you, you know, the, playing against Tacoma when when Dale Pearson was there, and then later on Scott Parker with Tacoma or then Kelowna. So they always had Jamie Butt was there as well. So they yep. they always had you know a cycle of really tough guys. So. Yeah, well, speaking of, yeah, and like you said, 16 years old, roll into the Western Hockey League, and, um, you know, and especially at that time, I mean, you know, the West was uh, was just stacked in terms of toughness. I mean, you know, out of, you know, the top 10 penalty minutes, eight guys are from the West outside of uh, Belak and Willis, you know, but you had that, like you were talking about earlier, the Kamloops team. I mean, what a, what a... You know what a, what a dynasty that team was, and you just look at the roster, and and here at sixteen you're playing against Darcy Tucker and Aginla and Tyson Nash and Shane Doan and Strudwick, and what was it like to play the play those guys? Well, our first regular season game, my first regular season game as a sixteen year old, we we were on the road in Kamloops, oh. and uh, they beat us twelve to one. My first WHL game, and every goal they played, taking care of business, and to that day. To this day, I cannot listen to that song just because it reminds me of Camus. And so, taking care of business, they, <laughs> they played it 12 times straight. And it was like, oh, my God, what league am I playing in? Am I, am I ready for this? And, you know, if those, all those guys stayed together on the same team, they'd be even an awesome NHL team. So it was just, you know, pulling all those guys together and playing against them was, you know, it was good for us, too. To get our butts kicked. I always tell I even tell my kids, it's okay to get your butt kicked once in a while. It lets you know if you you know, what you're made of. And so you know, it went from there. So 12-1 was my first regular season WHL game against the Canvas Blazers. <laughs> Dynasty. Yeah, well, yeah. What, and, uh, well, what was it? Uh, I mean, we see about, uh, people that are active on social media. They see Tyson Nash and stuff doing the Arizona games. He's always got his stories and everything. What was it like to play against Nash? Was he always yapping? Always yapping. And, and, and you know, it's so, so frustrating because there was nothing he could do. Because they would yap and yap and they would win and they would win. They would just steamroll over you. Like they, they were, they were, I would say one of, one of, if not the best junior team ever assembled. I'd like to say our 98 team was better, but just looking, they, they did it three or four times. So, um, you know, people don't realize how hard it is to win the Memorial Cup. Like it's, it's, it's so hard coming from three leagues to be the last person to win the Memorial Cup in three teams, and they did it three, three times in four years or four times in five years, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, that's, that's truly amazing. Well, yeah, and then so, also at the Memorial Cup, you're playing teams that you've never played before and never seen before. Yeah, never seen before. So it's and, – and, you know, you, you go through this – especially in the Western League, you, you go through this grind. And ge- geographically, like, you're playing Portland to Brandon. And then you have to go do it to a tournament that's, that's, you know, right away and play all these different teams. It, it's so tough. But getting back to like the Tyson Nashes and then and the Darcy Tuckers, like it was so tough to play for them because they were so good. And they would like Tyson Nash would just, you know, his mouth, he would just roast you any chance he get, could. And then, you know, fight a couple guys and go score a couple goals. So it was kind of like the, the leader of the Gordy Howe hat trick back in, back in junior days. So. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, and people that uh, that didn't get to see the Western Hockey League or whatever, and they, you know, they see these guys as, you know, fourth-line guys or whatever in the NHL. Like, Tyson Nash had 34 goals, and then Darcy Tucker had 64 goals. So, yeah, so, I mean, uh, they weren't, uh, you know, 
they're yeah, like you said, they're not only yapping, but they're scoring the game winner on you too. So yeah, and, and it, so like nowadays, like goal scorers don't have to fight; they don't fight or anything. But even those guys, even Darcy Tucker, would get into fight. Yep, like playing in the Western Hockey League. You know, all the way up to the nineties and two thousands. Doesn't matter who you were; you'd still have a handful of fights in a year. Yep. You know, uh, you know, you would go as far as your mouth would take you, and you would have to stick up for yourself, or you would have to, you know, answer the bell. Doesn't matter if you were a hundred and fifty point guy or if you scored one point. Everybody at least stuck up for themselves and stuck up for their teammates. And it was, you know, it's a prideful thing to say that you played in that era because you know that even Todd Robinson on our team would get. In a couple fights a year, and Todd Robinson's five foot six, one hundred and forty pounds at the time as a sixteen year old. So, you know, it's it's just the way hockey was. If you were going to play, and you were going to be on the team, it was the expectation that you stuck up for your teammates and you stuck up for yourself under under any conditions. So it was it was pretty cool time to play. No, yeah, and absolutely, and like you said, it was, uh, you know, if if you were uh, if 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 you were going to fool around and play that way. You were gonna answer. You were gonna answer for it. It wasn't like, oh, someone will stick up for me. It was like, no, someone was gonna get you, and it didn't matter who. And uh, yeah, because that was the age of the line brawl. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, doesn't matter. Sometime, somewhere, you're gonna have to defend yourself, and and you know, you know, answer the bell. And and there was a lot of them, especially against Seattle. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was the fun at times, scary at times, uh, because there was some absolute. Um, professionals out there, even in junior, guys that could fight and were very mean. So, well, and like as a before, I move away from Kamloops. There's a there's one character that played there, and uh, speaking of uh, fighters, um, Rob Skurlock. Yeah, big Rob. Yeah, and Rob, if Rob saw me today, he would probably want to grab me. And I heard Rob is the greatest guy. I don't know him personally. But I remember, you know, Rob, just this huge man, 6'5", and even in junior, I think he was 230 or 240, and in unbelievable shape. And if he got a hold of you and you guys started fighting, you know you're going to be one. So one night we were in Kamloops, and I, I've only fought Rob Skrillex one time, and he was in Kamloops in, in, in their barn. And um, I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden we were at center ice and we were squaring off. And I don't know how it happened because Rob's won a lot of fights. He's super tough. So much respect for the guy. But I got a good grab for some reason, and I threw two of the hardest rights right down Main Street, and I broke his face. Um, I remember him. I remember him telling the lines while the fight was going off to, "Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done." And I'm like, "What's going on? We're just getting going." And uh, he actually put his head down and put his he put his jersey over over his nose. And by the time he got to the penalty box, there was blood all the way from the top of his jersey right down to the stripes at the bottom, uh, right to the bottom of his jersey. Then we got to the penalty box, and his, and his face wouldn't stop bleeding. And they actually had to bring him to the hospital to cauterize his face for him to stop bleeding. And, uh, you know, it happens to us all. Yep. And, you know, he's a big, super tough guy, but I got the better of him that, that night. The only thing is the rest of our career, whether it's in WHL or the Meyer Leagues, I wouldn't fight him again. It used to make him so mad. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would always tell him, why would I fight you? I already busted your face and just egg him on, drive him crazy. And, you know, that's just a little, you know, mind game that you play with other tough guys. And I would never let him fight me again. He'd probably drive me, drove him crazy. And, you know, 
to this day, I'd probably apologize, you know, and, and let them know that I got some lucky punches in. And but uh, sometimes when you get the upper hand, you just got you got to let it go again. But yeah. you know, maybe I should have let him. Maybe I should have let him get a, get another chance at me, but but I never did. One and zero, baby. Yeah, <laughs> one and zero, thousand percent on Rob Skurlock. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, another team uh, that you guys obviously had the big, huge rivalry with, and this team was just like. Just looking at their roster is ridiculous. With Seattle Thunderbirds, when you go down and like your first year, they got Paul Ferrone, Jezelowski, yeah. Lloyd Shaw, yeah. Pop, Jason Nori, and yeah. a character I want to ask you about. Um, he's sort of a mystery, and he's the all-time junior hockey penalty minute leader in the SJ. Well, of all time in the SJHL yeah. was Calvin Crow. Yeah, he was an absolute scary man. And, and, you know, Paul Ferrone had made our team a couple months earlier and actually we traded him or, or let him go to Seattle, which was, Brutal. you know, to this day, I think was, was a huge mistake because Paul was, you know, one of the toughest guys I've ever seen in my life off the ice, on the ice for the size that he was. He was yep. maybe 5'10", 185 pounds, but he hit like a truck and so fast. Yep. And, you know, him going to Seattle, we're like, oh, no, because they had Dave Jaswalski. They had all those guys that you named. And then, you know, they bring in Calvin Crow. And to go into the old key arena and, and to have to face those guys, it was it was a shark tank. You know, I remember me and Brad Sides just like, okay, here we go tonight. And actually, my first WHL fight was in Seattle, was against Dave Jaswalski. And, uh, and Dave really liked to, to run around and, and cause, cause shit and stuff like that. And, there was a scrum in the corner, and it was one of our first games, scrum in the corner, and I think, you know, me being a big 16-year-old, he, he wanted to come and see what I was made of, and uh, he, he came and, and challenged me to fight while there was a scrum were on, and, and I remember beating him pretty bad, and that was kind of the start of like, oh, well, I, I can do this at this level, so... Yeah, I beat Dave pretty bad, and I think later later on in the game, he, we fought again, and he kind of gave me a black eye, but yeah... Dave Jezlowski fought Jason Norrie all the time. Kevin Pop, who we used to, you know, mouth each other all the time, ended up playing with each other a year or two later. Lloyd Shaw, and then also they bring in Calvin Crow to boot. Like this, it was just, it, it was a scary place to go into. Did you? So ever, it was. Uh, did you ever fight Crow? I think I did. Um, it mustn't have went too well for me because I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember him just being an absolute massive man, and it was kind of like the the, the his, his reputation preceded him. Everybody kind of knew who he was coming to Seattle just because of uh, the the tail of the tape from the SJ. Yeah, uh, he didn't last very long. I think he was there. I'm not sure what happened, but then he wasn't there for very long. And then I think he went back to the SJ. So I'm not sure what what happened there. Yeah, and for anybody wondering uh, what we're talking about in the SJHL Junior A um, with the Nippon Hawks, um, he set a record of seven seven hundred twenty eight penalty minutes in one season. So, w- w- which is insane. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, and uh, you know the guys like Calvin Crow or like Kerry Toporowski, like the Dennis Bond. There's all these guys that got all these penalty minutes, like. I never got a lot of penalties, but I fought a lot. I never got over 200 penalty minutes ever in my career in a single season, but I, I, I fought a lot. Um, 
and for those guys that probably fought twice as much as I did, like just the beating on your hands yeah. and, you know, even not taking punches square, um, you know, you're sore all the time. There, you're, you're just lagging. Like I, I felt like that and I, I didn't have as many fights or, or, or that many penalty minutes. And I, I just couldn't imagine 700 penalty minutes or 600 penalty minutes. It, it's absolutely insane. Oh yeah. Like it's just, yeah, exactly. No, it's, uh, yeah, a little different dudes for sure. Um, well, another another team I wanted to ask about the uh, the Tri City Americans. Now there is a character on that team that, of course, everyone on everyone knows, and uh, he has books and his own podcast. And I've talked to him a lot of times. He's a really nice guy. But what was it like to play against Terry Ryan? Uh, Terry Ryan, it was you know. Terry Ryan is Terry Ryan. There's nobody else like him. Yep. And off the ice, he was the same on the ice. It was like, it's like he had to get his quota of words in for the night. He was yapping all the time. He was in everybody's face. He was scoring goals. He was fighting. I don't, I don't think I ever fought Terry. You know, they had some other guys. They had like Chad Cabana. I think he, Chad Cabana was there. They had Thompson, um, Craig Stahl, uh, uh, Rob Butts, I think his name was. I yeah. don't know I fought so Ray there was always Ray Schultz and uh, yeah, Ray Schultz. That was a guy that I couldn't stand on the ice. I don't know Ray personally, but you know he, he was just such a neat player. And you know I don't think we ever really fought, but that's one guy that I just hated playing against. And it was just funny because he was a D man, so we were rarely in the same in the same vicinity on the ice. But that's somebody I didn't like playing against because he was so hard to play against. You know he was always hard. He was always hard on the guys that I was trying to protect. And you know we. You know, like the Todd Robinson, he always played really tough on, on our good players. So that, I just ended up not really liking him out there on the ice. So, yeah. Yeah. But Terry, going back to Terry Ryan, like, you got another guy, you know, scored, scored 50 goals and, yep. you know, he could beat, beat you up too on, on the right night. But uh, by the time we started playing, he, he I think when I was 16, he was already drafted first round. So I don't think they really wanted him fighting that much. And, you know, him and Damon Lanka would just, you know, get five, six points a game. And, and you know, just kind of, that was their whole, their top end, their top end lineup, their top six forwards were amazing. Um, yeah. And then him and Lanka just kind of abused young defensemen like myself. <laughs> yeah, no, And like you said, uh, yeah, 50 goals and like, you know, 20 fights. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, Quite the well, Sheldon Surrey was on that team as well. Yeah, Sheldon Surrey was on that team. Uh, he wasn't there for very long. I'm not sure if he had broken his leg there or when he had gotten traded to Kelowna or went to Kelowna. Um, I remember playing against them, but I don't remember playing against them very much. Um, I remember all the other guys, but I don't remember because I think Sheldon had gone to Tacoma or Kelowna later on. But I know he had broken his leg in junior, and, and, and I'm not sure if he had actually played that much i just don't remember playing against them in junior very much but once we got the pro and stuff like that i do remember him quite a bit but he was a scary man as well like he looked like a 35 year old in junior like guys like like jason weimer um sheldon surrey they looked like they were 40 years old 35 40 years old in junior they they were just huge men They they were just scary intimidating men so no, absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, well, here we talk about the Spokane Chiefs at that time when you're 16. 
they had a guy, of course, that uh, went on to uh, uh, a long pro career, many, many penalty minutes, was uh, Kevin Sawyer. Yeah, Kevin, I think, was 20 when I was 16. I I remember fighting him once. And uh, I just remember how strong he was. You know, like Jason Weimer, Jason Weimer, Sheldon Surrey, and Sawyer was kind of nice. He was a man playing with boys, and he was super tough. And I remember, I think we we were in Spokane, I I remember us grabbing on, and I just remember feeling how strong he was and, and, you know, just say, don't get hit with a square one. Just make sure, make sure he doesn't rear back and, 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 and knock you out. I just remember him being so strong. Um, and then when he was in Cincinnati as well, um, early in my American league career, uh, played a lot against him as well. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of funny that you, you have all these, you know, negative relationships with guys in junior and all of a sudden, okay, I turned pro and now here they are again. <laughs> so yeah, there's like, been some long, long rivalries in, uh, in your hockey career, especially coming from the Western hockey league. No, oh, absolutely. Well, another guy on that team and he went on to have a great NHL career was Brian McCabe. Yeah, actually Brian McCabe. Um, I fought him in training camp. Um, as a 16 year old, um, there was kind of a scrum. It wasn't much of a fight. He actually got the better of me. I think he did it just so he'd get kicked out of an exhibition game so we wouldn't have to play anymore. <laughs> so he he uh he grabbed me and we we kind of went at it and then uh then he was out. Yeah. Like just looking back on, on some of the players, not necessarily how tough all the tough guys were, but how skilled some of the players we were. Um you know it's uh it was amazing. Yeah it was it was it was really cool to see these guys have such successful careers. We knew they were good in junior but then they go into the NHL and then they they continue to to get better and, and have these storied NHL careers as well. Like you know, you never know what what somebody's going to be like coming out of junior, but to see these guys go on and, and have great careers, it's uh, it, 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 it's 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 awesome to, to say that you played against and with all these guys. So, oh yeah, no, absolutely. And like you said, like we're just uh, well, even the names we're throwing at. I mean, anybody that you know follows hockey is hurt. Everyone I've talked about, they know. You know, it might maybe not necessarily an NHL career, but you know, lengthy pro careers in the American League or at the IHL at the time, or you know, East Coast or whatever. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of dudes that went on and and played. Well, and well, here's another one, and we go on to Prince George, Matt Van Horluck. Yeah, Matty Van Horluck. Like, Victoria was still in the league when I was. Uh, I think they were, or they just moved. Yeah, I, I remember playing against him in Prince George. Come from Victoria up to up to Prince George and, and just, you know, tough, like just a grinder, just show up every night and knew you were in for one when he was on the ice and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, always answer the bell. And there were so many of those guys, like um, you were t- going back to Spokane once, you know, you, you take a sigh of relief and Kevin Sawyer's gone. Now you've got Chris Graff, another guy pound for pound, one of the toughest guys in there. You yeah. all the time. And, you know, just those gritty guys that would, would do anything for their team and knew you had to, you know, you know, you had to be aware when they were on the ice, not the biggest guys, but man, they were, they were in it. They they were there for a reason. And then, so you had to be sharp. Oh yeah. And like you said, the grinder guy, well, another guy in Prince George that seemed to be there forever with Clayton Catelier. And then you have, you know, uh, Rob Volterra, Ryan Brown. It's just like, it just goes on and on every team. Yeah. Every team, like, you know, from Brandon all the way to Portland, like there's 
every team has a storied history of, of a group of guys every year, every year. It's kind of like, okay, one guy's gone, reload. One guy's gone, reload. Where are they getting all these kids from? You know, even in, you know, Portland, you know, we like you said, you come from John Baduke and, and, um, and Kale Hulse and then Brad Sines, and then, you know, it just keeps every team reload, reload, reload. And, you know, Tacoma had their tough guys. We talked about um, Jamie Butt and Dale Purrington, and then, you know, Scott Parker comes in, and then, you know, Craig Millette, Justin Jack, all, all these guys, all these teams just kept reloading, reloading, reloading. It's not like there was, there was never any team that you could, you know, okay, it's going to be an easy night. Every team had had guys that could, you know, take advantage of if you if you weren't ready. So, oh was, no, uh, yeah, exactly. It was stacked up, and uh, well, you've said his name a couple times. Um, what, <laughs> and he's pretty infamous. I mean, you know, it was some of the shenanigans he's pulled. But uh, what was it like playing against uh, Purrington? Sure, Dale and I actually have never fought, but it was always, you know. Uh, the the comment I'm gonna kill you and you know he was such a mean guy he was such a crazy guy on and off the ice she always had to be aware maybe not so much of the fight but something else that Dale would do yep. like that that fight you talk about Brad Simes like he had um, what it um, I forget what that spray is that you put on your knuckles to, for for adhesive for tape and Brad like it was an awesome fight and but Brad Simes forehead and face was just full of burns and, and and stuff like that or you know dale would have no problems cross-checking in the face either or or you know sucking so he was just so unpredictable like he was mean crazy and tough so like you, you know all the way through and even when he was with the hartford wolf pack and we played against him in the american league you know i remember i remember telling him like he he would absolutely you know ape shit and we were in a scrum and he was calm and stuff like that and, and stupid me. I said, oh, it's Dale, the linesmen are between us. It's time for you to act tough. You won't fight me now either. And just, just stupid stuff like that that you would tell guys just to try and send him off. And he absolutely lost his mind. And I, I'm, I'm the lucky one that had the linesmen between us because he, he wanted to kill me. He actually got kicked out of the game, which I, I'm thankful for because he probably would have cross-checked me behind or took my teeth out or, or, or soccered me because I was always... I was always one to try and get other people's skin with my mouth too. So, <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, well, like you said, yeah, like you said, he uh, if he wasn't going to get you at the fist, it was uh, you know the stick or whatever. It didn't. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, but a tough dude. And I mean, and he certainly, yeah, I yeah. Mean, he knew his role. He definitely took his role to heart. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. He was uh, he was a prototypical, you know lunatic <laughs> yeah i think he's one of those guys that maybe came along a decade too late if he had been in the 80s he probably would have had about a 10-year nhl career because you, you could no. get away with shit like that back then you just get like a 10-minute no, absolutely yeah looking at some of the cross checks and the stick work from the 70s and the 80s and then and, and you know we could get away with it in the 90s and early 2000s when there was still only uh the one referee system yep um but then once it came to two referees, you, you kind of had to you had to be a little bit more sly in what you did. And and the game, you know, as my career went on, started, you know, teams that would have three or four tough guys would go to three, then to two, then to one, and then you know, it would it kind of it kind of died out by the end of my career. Or so, but yeah, there was some absolute uh, 
crazy things that would happen out there. Some of the cross checks, some of the slashes, and you know, it was uh, it, it's kind of unbelievable. If you were to tell somebody who only watched hockey now, oh yeah, that never seen videotapes that it, like, it, that never seen videotapes of uh, what hockey was like before and try to explain how it was, they would they would they wouldn't believe you. It would be folklore. Oh yeah, that's a, like well on Twitter all the time when hockey season's on, trying to talk to these young, these new age fans, and they're sitting there crying about how dirty Tom Wilson is. I'm like, oh come on, that's like that was Tuesday back in the '80s and yeah. '90s, like yeah. dirty, dirty. Come on, that was the, that was the first game of the, that was the first period of the three games in three nights. Like that was just that was just the start of the weekend usually, you know, and. Uh, and, you know, I feel bad for for these guys that play hard. You know, their 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 leash is so short. You know, and and people don't realize how fast the game is now. And and you know, guys like uh, Tom Wilson, um, what what's the guy from Vegas? Oh, um, Reeves. Reeves. You know, all these guys that are aggressive, dynamic players, and you know, I know there's not a lot of fighting anymore, but. You know, the physical play needs to continue, and then that's what makes the hockey unique. I know the speed is so fast that there's a lot of people getting hurt, but, you know, it's hard to pull up and hit a person the right way when they move six inches, half a foot, and all of a sudden, you know, people are just getting roasted like they're the worst people in the world. You know, there's guys out there that have a job to do. You know, they want to keep their job. They want to play hard for their team, and, you know, it's hard to play clean all the time. You know, I, I know there's some guys maybe every once in a while taking liberties and getting guys with their head down, but, you know, that's the responsibility of the guy with his head down as well. Like, you're not allowed to text and drive. Why would you, you know, fly through the neutral zone with your head down as well? So <laughs> it just it yep. makes no sense to me. So, but. Oh, I hear you. you know. Yeah. Well, uh, so that was, well, your your first tour of duty in the, in the Western League as a 16-year-old. And, uh. The, the following year, were you uh, obviously you come in, you're 17, you kind of know the lay of the land, a little more confident. Um, but you had a few uh, f- few interesting characters that join up on Portland with you. Um, Andrew Ferentz, and then another uh, youngster that went on to have a hell of an NHL career was uh, Brendan Morrow. Yeah, I we you know back in. Back when we were 16, 17, no internet, and it was like you kind of really didn't know yeah. who was coming through your system. Um, I remember Annie Ferris came up as a fifteen-year-old, played a couple games, and we're like, "Who is this kid? Like, he skates like the wind. Not the biggest guy, but you know, played really tough. You know, wasn't dynamic scared. He was just a great all-around defenseman. But we thought he was going to get killed because he wasn't very big. Uh, but you know, played the position the right way. You know, and uh, you know, was a great hockey player, just a really great hockey player, you know, and then the career that he had, you know, it's not surprising just because of the skill, the skill he had and what, what he could do on the, from the back end. Um, Brendan Morrow, like one of the best teammates I've ever played with. And, and, and Brendan Morrow was so like once, once the puck went into the corner, Brendan Morrow came out with it every time he did that his whole career, called him the chairman of the boards because every time, I've never seen somebody control the puck on the boards or win one-on-one battles off the boards behind the net like Brendan Morrow. Forecheck, go get the puck, and just always come out with the puck. He, he's just the guy that willed himself into the career that he had. Like, coming from Carlisle, Saskatchewan, he, he was 5'11", 
you know, and, and, you know, the, then he committed to his conditioning and, and he just wanted it so bad and just carved, like you said, carved out a career, like played on the Olympic team. And, you know, that's one of those guys that you just wish he would have won a Stanley cup because he deserved it. Um, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that would give everything for his team and, and, and he never got cheated when Brendan Marl was on the ice. He, he got full value out of that guy. And, and he wasn't, he wasn't like, even in the room, he was always quiet. He was never, he was never a raw, raw guy, but you knew once he got on the ice, his eyes kind of turned red and he wanted that puck and he wanted to take it to the net. So that's, uh, that's one guy that, uh, you know, one of, one of my favorite teammates of all time. No, I, oh, I like you said, absolutely. What, uh, what, a, what a career and, uh, yeah, no, but uh, another Saskatchewan, like you said, another Saskatchewan boy. You can't go wrong with Saskatchewan guys. No, you can't go wrong ever with with, uh, with guys with the SASK by their by their profile. Yeah, That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, we, uh, we had like going back to say, talking about some of my teammates with the Port Winterhawks, and you know we had such good guys going through there. You talked about Dave Scatcher, Jason Weimer, Adam Denmarsh, Nolan Pratt. Scott Lankow, um, you know, and, and as the time went on, and you know, it was our time, you know, my last year of junior at 19, you know, you look at the team we had, Marianne Hosa, Todd Robinson, who, you know, was such an amazing player, just a little bit undersized for the time. And, you know, I think he got over 500 points in, in his junior career. He, you know, from the time he was 16, he was, he was, I would say, the best offensive player for that era, you know, for, for the Western Hockey League, and he carried it on. You know, he played a little bit in the American Hockey League, but you know, I think at, at, from his his career and Yarmir Jagger's career, I know he played at lower levels, but he had just as many or more points than Yarmir Jagger during during the late nineties and two thousand. So he was a great great player, great teammate as well. And you know, we had Marion Hosa, um, Andrew Ferrance. We just had such a stacked team. You know, our last year junior, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to be able to just chip it out on the off the glass and let those guys go. So it made it easy on us on the back end. As I say, guys like that can make you look really good. That's for sure. They made us look really, really good. Really yeah, good. But well, and just kind of uh, rolling again through the opponents at that time. We got a few new names. You mentioned them earlier out in Spokane, undersized. But uh, people, do yourself a favor and look this cat up. But yeah, Chris Graff could throw down. Yeah, he was like he was like a little Tasmanian devil. He was like the Tasmanian devil and the Roadrunner, like morphed together. And he was just he little he didn't even look like his equipment fit. Like he just were like, who is this guy? He had black tux under his skates. He just he didn't look like a hockey player. And, and maybe he did that on purpose so you kind of go after him. But once the gloves were there, he could stand in there, and it's like you couldn't hit him square. You couldn't grab him. It was just. I remember I uh, I fought him a couple times, but I remember he would uh, he wouldn't stop swinging until you know somebody went down. He was still swinging, I think, even when we were on the ice. So he was he was always you know a chore, a battle to fight Chris Graff, and he and he he surprised a lot of guys. Like early on, you know, as the years went on, no one was surprised because they knew. But early on, I think he. Uh, he, he really whipped some guys just because, you know, he was, he was just a small guy and nobody thought that, you know, he was going to do anything. Yeah, well, and a teammate of his who wasn't small, who was very large, and uh, 
had had great skills, was a first round pick, but you know, for whatever reason, just things don't work out. But um, and really tough was Ty Jones. Yeah, Ty Jones, like he was he was the kind of guy that when you would go into the game, it was kinda of like don't wake him up. Like don't don't run him down and try to run him through the boards to finish your check. Ty Jones was, was was kind of the guy that would go up and down his wing and not do very much if he didn't wake him up. But if he ever got a burr under his saddle, like, you know, huge, huge guy, even as a young kid, you know, he would go score goals and, and it might beat you up. So, you know, our strategy against Ty Jones was, you know, just don't wake him up, let him do his thing on the wing or, or just, you know, flow through his shifts and, and, and don't piss him off because then he could, be, he could be the best player on the ice. So... Well, no, absolutely, and um, yeah, and uh, well, and then again with Seattle. I mean, actually, one of the guys who I talked to was a very young, very at fifteen, I think, uh, and of course he's going to have a Hall of Fame career in the NHL and still playing, unbelievably. Was Patrick Marlowe. What was it like playing against Patrick? Hey, another Sass boy, by the way. Yeah, another Anaroid Saskatchewan. I actually played with uh, with with uh, with Patty as a 15, he was a fifteen year old. Um, the Canada Winter Games were on when I was 16, and we both played for Team Saskatchewan. And uh, even then, you know, you could see that this 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 guy was special. The way he could skate, effortless skate, he was so fast and so calm out there. Like, the game was so slow for him that, you know, I always tell the guys, we were talking about Chris Thompson earlier, um, like, what was it like playing against Marlowe as a defenseman? Any time that he would get the, <laughs> get the puck with full speed coming around their net, it, it, you might as well just skate forwards back to your own net. That's the only place you're going to catch him because you know where he was going. So, yeah, if you got, you know, a full head of steam and coming through the neutral zone, you, you, there was nobody good enough backwards to, to keep up with them and play one-on-one against them. So he was, uh, he was a very special player. You know, he was another quiet guy, too. He just went out there and just kind of did his thing was an excellent hockey player. Yep. No, so this is an excellent player. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, and another guy on that team that they traded for at that time, who was an infamous in the minors, and a little, everybody called a little bastard, but tough as shit, was Tyler Willis. Yeah, like, what a pain in the ass that guy is. <laughs> I don't know if he still is, but I know he was. <laughs> and it's just like, could you leave, could you let everybody play already? He was just always there, 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 there. He was just, he's just that annoying fly that you just can't get with your fly slaughter. And this is when you turn around and all of a sudden he's buzzing your ear again. And then, you know, you'd fight him, you'd beat him up, and then he'd come back again, and then he'd get a couple lucky on you, and he'd piss you off even more. He was just, he would take everybody off their game. That was, that was you know, feather in his cap. That's what he was so good at doing, that he would just take everybody off, even before the game started, knowing that you were going to play Seattle and Tyler Willis was going to be on the ice, it would make you grouchy right away. Even before he stepped in the building, he, he just had that kind of attitude and that kind of persona, and he just had that kind of influence on, uh, on his opponents. He was just such a pain in the ass. But you know, <laughs> well, it's, well you I thought if you're listening, you were a pain in the ass. But I think you know it. <laughs> oh, and I think he probably relished in it. But uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, speaking of, and there will be people that'll say this guy was a pain in the ass, and you just mentioned his name, and he was sort of in that Willis mode was a fellow PA boy, Chris Thompson. What was it like playing against him? You know, Chris and I growing up, and we're still to this day, we're, we're 
really, really, really close, really good friends. He was actually uh, Portland's property before he went over to Seattle. So, you know, Chris and I never fought. We were really good friends. Um, but he was an absolute pain in the ass as well. He was a pain in the ass to everybody. But he was one of those guys that would yap, 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 but then beat you up as well. Like, he was really tough. Um, he was all, always under – he was so cocky out there. and He was so lippy and, and you know, just – always saying offside things to people just, and for me, you know, being good friends with them, but playing in Portland against them, I would just, I wouldn't tell them to lay off or anything. Cause you know, that's not the, the right way to do it. If he's going to play his way, play, play my way. I just remember one time, um, when we were playing, they got in the line ball. He was, uh, he went after Hosa and Pod Kinikina, our European goal scoring players. And, and, they, that was their job to rough him up, and he would do stuff like that, and, you know. But then he would turn around and fight a guy like Mike Mazetska, you know, which was they were good friends. But it was he's just another pain in the ass. But I love him so. Yeah, <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to say anything bad about him. Yeah, I just had coffee with him the other day. So yeah, but, Chris, uh, I'm hoping you're listening to this. We got to get you on the show, man. We keep talking about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, no, no. Chris is the prototypical guy that everybody talks about. You hated his guts, but you wanted him on your team. You know, and I was disappointed when when uh, it didn't work out with him in Portland because then they traded they traded him to Seattle and he started his career in Seattle and then had to see him twelve times a year. So, but no, uh, you know, as a good friend of mine, I'm glad we never fought. So yeah, um, it was one of those things. Well, like you said that team just had characters. I mean, you had Jeremy Reach on there, Shane Belter, Tony Mohagen. I mean, Kuznick. I mean. Rick Barry. Yeah, Tony Mohagen. Tony Mohagen such a big, strong guy, such a tough guy. We went quite a few times. Yep. And uh, and we always him and Jason Norrie. I think I fought so many times. A guy that never fought. Uh, never. I never fought against uh, Greg Kuznick, but he was so quiet out there. But if you ever got him mad, he was, he had a jackhammer left that I don't think anybody really knew about, and he would really, really hurt some guys with that thing. And. Uh, I ended up playing with him in, I think it was in Lowell. I believe we played together, and he would kind of do the same thing. Just an unassuming V-man, you know, stay-at-home V-man. Didn't look like he had a lot of emotion, but if he ever got into a fight, he would actually throttle people with his left hand. Yeah, well, and, then, and you mentioned him kind of earlier when you roll into Kelowna with their size. Um, not only did they, they had Purington at the time, they got Fedoric. They have a guy yeah. that a lot of people don't, he kind of flew under the radar because he didn't have the name the other guys did. There was a guy named Trevor Lawrenson who was really tough, and and uh, and then of course Scott Parker, which I know you had some battles with because I've seen the video. Um, as a young kid coming in, he's wearing number three, the shaved head, and he's fighting Joey. Um, how were how were the uh, how was it playing against Scott Parker? You know, he's actually, you know, Scott as as tough. And as, you know, mean as he was, he was always very respectful. You know, coming in, and like, he was a scary dude. But I remember, you know, coming in, I had been there for a year in the WHL already, and, you know, I, I, I think I kind of remember him asking politely if, if we could fight, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, it was a little bit scary at the time. I'm glad I got him when he was younger. Um, we had two absolute, you know, long bomb filled fights and uh yes, you know he, he was he was just so big he was just huge and then you knew that you know if you, if you didn't stay away from his right hand it could be lights out so 
you always have to have that in mind and, you know, just kind of make sure you stay away from his right and, you know, try to hang in there. I remember, I think this the first fight that we had, right at the end, he hit me with a right hand. And he was like, I had stripped him down, he had no clothes on left, and then we were still fighting. Right at the end of the, the, the lines were coming into the break stop, he hit me with a right, and my head snapped back, and I kind of, good thing the lines were in there, because I remember turning away, I was like, wow, that really hurt. <laughs> yeah. He could punch so yeah. hard. And that video. And he, you know, he's one of those guys, like I was, I was a, a big, strong guy, but that's somebody that I couldn't push around. I kind of had to hang on for the ride and just punch my way through it because there was no way that I was going to, you know, push him anywhere in my favor. I just had to make sure that I, you know, grabbed correctly, you know, use both hands when I, when I needed to and, and stay away from the right because there was no way that I was going to, you know, tie him up, pull him around, push him around. You just had to make sure that you were, you, you were smart and along for the ride. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, of course, everyone out listening knows, you know, the career that he went on to have. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, well, like I said, folks, just like we're talking about the teams here. Imagine Dale Purrington, Scott Parker, and Todd Fedoric on one team, like at that time. I mean, you know, at, uh, yeah, like you said, an unbelievable time period in terms of toughness in the Western Hockey League. Yeah, it's, 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 it, some of those games, like, it's not like, you know, you're looking for one. You could, you could fight. You know, you you're allowed three fights a game or whatever. But you could have three fights in a period and not even go through all the guys that you wanted to fight. Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know, later on they had Millet, Justin, Jack, and stuff like that. And it was just, it was, uh, it was like I think back. Like, when did we play hockey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, did anybody do anything with that little black thing rolling around out there? Yeah. Exactly. You know, but. but that's a misconception. Everybody says, you know, that back then, but, you know, everybody talks about tough guys and this and, you know, goons and, you know, slugs and stuff like that. You know, talking about all these guys, they were good hockey players too. They wouldn't be there if they were good hockey players. They just kind of defined themselves into a role. Same with myself, you know, kind of, you know, swayed to that kind of role. And, And, you know, that's kind of what we gravitated to, that aggressive side. And, you know, even in the WHL, wanting to stay, you have to do things that, you know, you know, every, obviously everybody wants to be a goal scorer. Like, who doesn't? But yeah. all of a sudden you get this, this group of amazing hockey players. You have to find out how you're going to stay. You have to find out what you're going to be good at. You have, where do I fit in this, in this dynamic of 2023 20, guys? Like, where do I fit in? And, you know, there's not, there's not 23 guys in the power play, I tell you that. And, and you know, as good as you think you are, Sometimes you're just not good enough to play in the top six or the, you know, top four defensemen, and you have to find your value on the team. And so that's why a lot of guys, you know, figure out, you know, if I don't do this, they'll find somebody else who will. And, you know, that's, that's where I think a lot of guys are of value just because of their character and because they're willing to do that even though they don't want to. There's a lot of guys out there that didn't like it, but they wanted to be part of the team. They want to add value. And, and, you know, so that, that's the best way that they could do it just because they, they didn't have the scoring touch or they weren't great skaters, but, you know, they're the ultimate team guy that was willing to go out there and protect the rest of their, their teammates and, you know, and, and sacrifice their, their health and well-being and stuff like that just to do that. And, you know, I have so much respect for anybody who has ever, you know, stood in there and thrown knuckles. And, you know, you, you see a lot of, a, a lot of banter on, on, uh, 
uh, on Twitter and all social media these days about how, you know, just goons or one dimensional, you know, even to get to, even to get to um, major junior these days, you have to be an athlete. There's, n- there's no way that, you know, people are not a good athlete to get there. So it's, a, it's kind of funny to, to, to hear some opinions. Oh, well, no, absolutely. And like you said, to what you were saying, I mean, that was, I mean, that's why I do, I, that's why I'm doing this show. That's why I have you guys on, right? I mean, to get your stories and to hear, I think a lot of times people, you know, they kind of look, especially kind of the newer age fans of the way things are going, they kind of look at, at this time period and before and, oh, they're just a bunch of dummies and that was hockey's dark time and all that bullshit. It's like, no, 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 it's, uh, no, and absolutely, I respect her, all you guys, and uh, and like and to go back to what we were saying was like you said with skill. Scott Parker's had a thirty goal season in Kelowna. He wasn't some two shift dummy. Like so, it was absolutely. like no, these no guys. And, and you know, uh, I might toot my own horn here for a second, but I was the captain of the gold medal winning team Saskatchewan for the Canada Winter Games. I played Canada under eighteen. I was on the national team, and you know, it's like. Yeah, I fought, but it's not like I was, you know, a bad athlete. <laughs> it's, it's, no. it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, there's, there's so much, there are so many top guys out there that, that are amazing athletes. They weren't just, you know, goons. No. You know, they, if you make it to a certain level, you have to be able to skate. You have to be able to, you know, move the puck and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's pretty comical to, to, to hear the opinions of some people. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, at this, once you get, well, it's already, everyone starts playing and then it gets separated and separated and separated. And once you get to, you're an elite level when you're in junior and then to go on to pro and then to even the NHL, I mean, it's always a separation system, but it's like, yeah, like you said, you could be as tough as Mike Tyson. If you can't skate, you're not playing anywhere. So it's like, no, absolutely. you know, absolutely. So yeah, no, that's obviously a big misconception. But uh, I got a couple more names. We got to get into your pro career too. But well, and of course the Memorial Cup. But I want to uh, throw a few more names at you. Well, first of all, the first two years there, you're in Portland. You guys kind of had some rough goes. You, you know, you finished sixth both years. But here in your yeah. third year, you guys start making the move now. And you lost. I mean, you lost in the in the quarterfinal this year. Um, could you could you sense it coming that? Uh, you know, like that year that's that you were, uh, you guys were getting better each year. Yeah, and especially you know that first year was was you know for a lot of people we had I think we had four sixteen year olds on our team. Yep. Um, the first year, you know, there was myself, Kevin Hop, um, Todd Robinson, and, and a guy from from out east named Chris Carson. Um, and so. To have four guys at 16, that lets you know how young the team is. Yeah, we had, you know, there was a gap there. You know, we had good good players like Matt Bates and Brad Isbister, Brad Isbister, but they were only uh, they were only 17 years old. And like you said, the second year we started getting a little better. Third year, you know, everybody kind of thought we were a dark horse to make it to the, the Memorial Cup. Like we had a, we were playing very well as a team. We just we ran into Chris Mason from PG, who absolutely shut the door on us. And then that was, that was really a disappointing year because we had from the two years earlier, you know, getting our, our butts kicked for two years and, you know, trying to try to rebuild what, what Portland was from the year before I got there. You know, it was tough. It was tough. There was a big learning curve and, you know, but by the third year we were playing very well as a team. We had, we had a lot of good, we had a lot of good players and, and I think we finished first in our division actually. And we were just to lose to, to PGA 
to to uh, to PG to Chris Mason. You know, I, I love Chris Mason. He ended up being my my teammate in San Antonio, and just you know, I know why we lost now, just because how committed and, and how dedicated he, he is as a hockey player and, and what a great guy he is. And like, if I, we were to lose to, to, to a goaltender, you know, I, I don't feel bad now, you know, losing to that guy. But yeah, it was a disappointment that year, my 18 year old year. Um, I had actually, uh, you know, torn my MCL early in that playoff. So I didn't get to play. They actually lost on the road up in PG. I was sitting at home in Portland at my village house. And it was pretty disappointing that they didn't make that. We didn't make it through. Sorry. Um, and, uh, yeah, the next year, that I think that made it us even hungrier because of that disappointment. And then all of a sudden, we, uh, we just started off on fire. Like, our, my, my last year, my 18-year-old year, we, we couldn't lose. We were having so much fun off the ice, so much fun on the ice. We actually traded for Josh Green, who scored a goal a game for us in 26 games that he was with us before L.A. He played, he, it's almost like he played too well. Then L.A. signed him and, and sent him to uh, – the American Hockey League in Fred- Fredericton. But, you know, at that time, then all of a sudden they sent, uh, Ottawa sent down this, I don't know if he ever panned out, but uh, this guy named Marion Hosa. <laughs> uh, I, I think I've heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also this guy, this, this guy spoke two words of English, but could, was just a hockey playing machine. And he was just a man amongst boys. And he was just amazing. Another one of those guys, like, like okay, they're good in junior. What, what, what? How are they going to be when they turn pro? Well, I think we know how that story turns out. Yeah, <laughs> and he just he like I played with them two places. So I played with them in Portland, and I played with them again in Ottawa. And honestly, might be the best hockey player I've ever played with. You know, best two, and a lot of people say the best. You know, he's he's he was a good hockey player. He might be one of the best two-way hockey players that ever played the game. Like, people see his numbers and stuff like that, but if you ever watched him away from the play and the defensive side of the puck, he is just an all-around amazing hockey player and strong. Wow, he was, he was, he was, he was amazing. Absolutely. Like you said, the career path, the, you know, obviously with the way his, his career went and uh, the longevity he had and the, and the success he had, I mean, obviously uh, – no, absolutely, and to, you know, to guy for you guys to add him to that is not surprising that you won the Memorial Cup. But uh, but before we get to the Memorial Cup, I got to ask you. Of course, you got you were drafted in the '96 in NHL entry draft. You're in the fourth round, 82nd overall to the Florida Panthers. How exciting was that? It was uh, it was super exciting. I didn't have Florida on my radar. Um, I had interviews with San Jose, Colorado, um, I think Pittsburgh. Uh, Montreal. I did some interviews with, with some other teams. I never, ha- I never even talked to uh, to Florida. Um, you know, Colorado told me that they were going to take me. So every time Colorado's name would come up, you know, you were just sitting in your seat at the draft, and it is so nerve wracking waiting for your name to be called. And it is it, experience. It, it's the best day of your life, but for some guys, it can be you know the worst day of your life. And so you know, going to the draft. I was rated anywhere from the second round on. Um, actually, early in that year, I was actually, after playing for, for Canada U18, I was rated maybe in the first round. Um, but, you know, playing on a young team, I didn't, didn't play that well that year either. So, you know, going the fourth round was, was, was the right spot for me. And Florida, getting drafted by Florida was a great situation for me because they had, uh, they had just gone to the Stanley Cup Finals. 
Um, they had an older team. They're an expansion team. And they ended up not keeping a lot of those guys. So they're kind of in a rebuild right away um, as I got drafted in the next couple of years. So I got a lot of opportunity to go into camp, to play a lot, play a lot of exhibition games. You know, I talked to some of my buddies who at the time were drafted by Detroit, Colorado, and whose systems were so deep that, you know, they had to go straight to the East Coast League or, you know, not even get a sniff and not get a contract because their systems were so deep. It was fortunate for me to be able to um, get drafted by Florida, who hadn't been in the league for very long, um, didn't have a lot of prospects in there. So it, 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 you know, created opportunity just by the team that I was drafted by. So it was, uh, it was, it was a very good place for me to get drafted to. Now, when you, uh, like, so for, for us, uh, for us fanboys sitting here listening, uh, when you talk about the, the interview process, do you remember, like, what, what, what kind of, what's it like? Is it like, like the job interview? Like, what are they asking you? And, uh, you know, what's the vibe like? Yeah, I, I, well, I just remember being so nervous going to do any, uh, going into any interview because, you know, you're, you're, you're a step closer to your dream and then there's these, you know, these seasoned hockey, hockey guys, general managers and head scouts, and then they're, they're asking you about your personal life, your habits. And they go, basically go through everything. You know, it's, it's not, because usually in a job interview, they, they, talk to you about the job and you know your characteristics applied to the job but in, in, in an interview you know to get drafted they go into everything your family you know they get very personal so I remember San Jose and I think it was Dean Lombardi who was, who was there at the time and he liked to I remember you know he liked to fuck with guys so I it wasn't even an interview and uh I remember going in there and he started yelling at me. He's like, you can't make a four foot fucking pass out there. I've seen you play. Why the fuck would we, you know, draft you? I don't even know why you're in this room. And he was just pushing, 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 pushing. And I was just like, my mouth dropped and I couldn't even say anything. And then, you know, that went on for a while. And then at the end, he put out his hand. He said, great job. You're going to do great tomorrow. Thank you for coming. <laughs> it was just a total test. It was a total test, and, and he wanted to see how I'd react under pressure, I guess. And I just, like, inside, I was just dying, but I was just trying to stay calm. I'm sure my face was bright red, and I, I probably wanted to punch him out, but, um, you know, just be professional and stay in there. And, and after, he, he said, you know, he kind of came out of me and said, you know, we, we like that we see you, you know, if you're around. I'm not sure how this pans out. But he said, you're going to be great tomorrow. And he shook my hand and said, thank you for coming. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was, uh, <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. So, yeah, it's uh, a lot of people have different interrogation methods, I guess. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you didn't even, uh, you didn't even really talk to Florida. No, I didn't talk to Florida. And, and Brian Murray was the, uh, was the general manager at the time. And my coach was Brent Peterson, um, who had played for Terry Murray in Detroit um, a long time ago when he played pro. And then, you know, after talking to Pete afterwards, he's like, yeah, Florida called me. They didn't interview you. They called me. And he had, uh, they had watched me a lot. And uh, they had asked Pete about me. And, you know, they, they really liked, you know, Brian Murray loves tough players. And, and you know, I, I sit there mold and, you know, I was uh, a stay-at-home defenseman at the time, and you know they they like how I played. And you know, at the fourth round, it was uh, they grabbed me, and, and 
you know, there it was. And then I remember going on the draft floor and Doug McLean was the, uh, was the coach and he was looking at my stats and as a 16 year old, they got one assist. And I remember Doug McLean and, and all his personality saying, wow, one assist last year. Hope it was a game winner. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. The draft is a lot of fun. Um, the guys my year were a lot of fun. Um, Aaron Ashton, guys like that at the draft with, and, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, you, you start as however old you are, you know, wanting to play in the NHL and then, then you get to that point and then somebody, somebody picks you and, uh, you know, they want you part of their organization. So it's, it's, it's the first part of your dream coming true. So it's, it's an amazing thing. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and actually at the 96 draft, um, first overall in that draft was, uh, Chris Phillips. Who, um, yeah, I mean, whatever happens to him. Yeah, he, he played a little bit. Yeah, probably. I'd say that was a pretty solid pick. Um, I was going to say, well, he was always in the other division, so I know you didn't see him a lot. But, um, like, were you, I mean, what's the word? I'm like, like, were you surprised he went first overall or, like, from just playing against no, him? Did you see it? Not, not at all. Because Chris was, was such a character person and, and had the talent to match. I played with Chris and he was my defense partner when we played U18 and he's just an amazing guy. Like, in, you know, he, his first couple of years in Prince Albert, he, he was one of their best players. He was a 16 or 17 year old. Oh, like yeah. he was, he was just a solid two way defenseman. You know, as he got into pro, he wasn't as offensive, but you know, at, at the time was one of the better shutdown defensemen in the league when he first came in there. And, you know, just, a character guy, great guy. You know, ended up playing with them for a little bit in Ottawa as well, and you know, you know, just, just, just an amazing person. So he's, uh, you know, him going first overall. I don't think there's anybody else in that draft who, who could have really taken that spot. I'd have to look back at it, but I don't think our draft wasn't that deep as far as superstars. There's a lot of guys that played, guys that played pro for a long time, but you know, I think our as far as depth, our draft wasn't that deep. Um, yeah, but he was definitely probably the best player to uh, to uh, get drafted in that year. I'd have to look back at it. I'm sure there's there's some guys that, you know. Yeah, well, I'm just, just, just kind of looking at it now. Yeah, like you said, a lot of guys, you know, that had like, you know, a, a Derek Morris, a Zubris, you know, guys like that, uh, Daniel yeah. Bayer, you know, Sarich. So when Derek Morris got drafted, everybody was – the Flames took Derek Morris with their first first peg. Nothing against Derek Morris, but at the time, he nobody really, you know, he didn't dominate. He was obviously an excellent hockey player, a great defenseman, but he wasn't even rated in the first round. And I think everybody was like, "What? What are they doing?" But I guess the people in Calgary are a little bit smarter than we are because he was an amazing pick at that point. Yep, wow, like he's eleven hundred career games, and uh, you know, well, another guy in size too, like you said, Corey Sarich. I mean, he went to Buffalo, and uh, yeah, it. Uh, yeah, yeah like Derek Morris, like as we were growing up as kids, early teens, when we would be trying out for you know Team Saskatchewan, Team Alberta, and all these people, you heard about the Josh Holdens, the Chris Phillips, um, out east. There's guys, you know, um, that you heard about that were these these awesome players like a year younger, but was playing, playing at our level was um, the guy from Newfoundland, Danny Cleary. You heard about all these guys, but Derek Morris was just never a guy that you ever heard about until he was drafted. And, but then 
you know, wow, could he skate and hit and shoot puck? And he was just, you know, he was a diamond in the rough. And congratulations, Calgary, for, for taking that guy. Absolutely. Um, well, your your final um, your final year was, of course, you know, you guys uh, you guys uh, go wire to wire. You led the you led the uh, your division the league. And then you end up uh, winning the Memorial Cup, and I mean, you talked about Hosa and uh, and all that, and what a you know a special group that has to be to win it. Um, and of course, you the win the Memorial Cup. I believe you beat was it Guelph in overtime, correct? Yeah, we we beat Guelph in overtime, and and you know they had a great team. Like there there wasn't obviously they had Matty Mahaltra, they had Brian Wilson. Um Their their goalie was a was amazing that tournament. Um, I don't think he played much pro. I think his name is Madden. Um, but they just had a, a lot of really, really good players. Um, and they, they played a really good system. Um, we beat them in the round robin. So I think we had a little bit of overconfidence when we played them in the finals. Because uh, I think we, had, we lit up their goalie for six or seven. And so going into the finals, we had a lot of confidence. The, the team that we were scared of was playing Spokane again. Um, you know, Babcock was their coach. Um, you know, they always played us tough. We had, uh, we had beat them in seven games in the, uh, in the Western Conference finals, um, on a fluky goal. Like a goal that probably, you know, questionable is kind of like the, the Brett Hall goal. <laughs> you know, as far as, you know, not the same type of goal, but like, you know, should that have counted, should not, but it ended up did counting and we beat them. And, you know, it, uh, you know, sometimes you're on the right side of it. Sometimes you're not. Fortunately, that time we were. But uh, Spokane and, and us had always played tight games the whole year. So going to the Memorial Cup, it was in Spokane. We were always a little on edge. Of, you know, we were – I think Spokane was always in the back of our mind. You know, Guelph, we beat in the round robin. We beat Spokane in the round robin. Um, you know, I think it was Val, Valdor was the other team. They were just getting smoked in the tournament. Like, I, you know – Everybody said, oh, that Roberto Luongo is not very good. He's letting in five, six. I'm like, he's getting 65 shots a game. Yeah. <laughs> His save percentage is still 920 in the tournament. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think in the back of our minds, we, we kind of thought we were going to play Spokane, but they, they lost in the semis to, uh, to Guelph. And then, you, you know, I don't think we could ever really get it going in the final game. And uh, Guelph played us so tough. And then, you know, with it was tied game going into the last uh, last five minutes. It was tied game going late in the period, and then um, then Marion Hosa's knee ACL gets blown out, and we get a five minute power play. Like, unfortunately, like you know, probably our best player gets knocked out, but we have a five minute power play to end the game in the third period, and we don't score. And I think, you know, like. We had, I think, one of the best power plays in junior hockey at the time. We don't score on a five-minute power, power play. So, you know, that was the time we go back in the room for the flood before overtime comes out. And, and, and you know, we're looking around the room. It's like, oh, did that really just happen? We didn't score. So we, we really had to regroup. And, you know, you know, the character guys, you know, let's just – we just had to play. And then going out, it was just such a simple play, you know, in the overtime. You know, it was uh, – Todd Robinson back to Kevin Hoff and, you know, signature Kevin Hoff, like half snapper floater from the point hits the pads and Bobby Russell flies out of the corner, beats the guy out of the corner and just taps it in. 
from his knees, and it was that was it. That was it. It was done. It was it was weird that it was done. It was an overtime game, and it was just such an innocent, simple play, face-off play, and then all of a sudden you're Memorial Cup champions. So it was, uh, you know, I, I I talked to some of the guys that uh, from Guelph that were on that team, and you know, and you know, kind of a cheeky way, I was like, I'm glad I'm not you guys. You never want you never want to lose the final game, and, and it's it's kind of tough. So I'm glad we're on the right side of that one. No, absolutely, and like you said, one of the, the you know that the an unbelievable hard trophy to win, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's always funny the overtime. It always seems it's goals like that too in overtime. You know, just kind of yeah, it's not it gets so tense. It yeah. gets so tense, and like game seven is overtime and stuff like that, and uh, you know it all depends on your mindset, and that's why you know game seven performers or game seven performance. Like their mindset is just right. They just keep playing. They just keep playing, and and it's like you can't. I, I, not that I played a lot of game sevens or overtimes and stuff like that, but you know you just have to keep playing. You you, you can't have it in your mind that you're going to make a mistake because that's all you think about. Yep. You just have to react. You know, rely on on you know your experiences out on the ice, and you know just just play, just play, play it what comes at at you. If you overthink it, that's when. Uh, you get stuck in your boots and then, you know, you're on the wrong end. So, yeah. Well, there's the, uh, Joey Tedarenko Western hockey league, uh, career. It was a hell of a career. Um, actually before we leave the Western league, there's two characters I want to ask you about. Um, well, the first one, again, minor league, uh, legend that a lot of people listening will remember him, um, as, uh, out in tri cities was Sean Legault. Yeah. Yeah, Sean Legault, that big guy. He had uh, bleach blonde hair. Yep. I remember uh, fighting him one night in Tri Cities, and he was everywhere though. Wasn't he? He was kind of. I remember him in Tri, but wasn't he like in the minors and stuff like that? Wasn't he all over the place? Oh yeah, like he, uh, you know, I, I down in the central, and uh, you got me, you got me thinking now. Where? Um... Yeah, like oh, well, he was in Austin, and he was in uh, New Mexico and Corpus Christi, and you know, yeah, he, he was up in the American League for a few games, but uh, yeah, he he was a character for sure. Yeah, one one guy who's uh, like ended up being one of my really close friends, and you talked earlier about we didn't play the Eastern side of it a lot, and there were so many there were so many tough guys on this side, like there was oh, the McAllisters, the Bulacs. You know, the Chris Dingman, you know, there were so many guys out, out of the East that we never really got an opportunity to play so much. Rocky, Rocky in Medicine Hat, I remember the first time, well, I think it was the only time in junior we played Medicine Hat. Uh, we were in Medicine Hat, and, you know, I was fighting a lot in, in the Western side, and he was, you know, you know, the tough guy of, of the Eastern Conference. And I remember us running into each other at center ice during the play. And we were, we were both thinking, okay, here we go. And he asked me, he goes, you want a shot at the title? And I said, fuck you, I've got the title. And I think we, we kind of like, what, what, what? I think we confused each other and the play kept going on. The whistle blew. We had to go to our bench and we never had an opportunity in junior to fight each other again. So it, it was kind of funny. We ended up being together in Florida for a long time. So it was pretty, it was pretty funny. Funny story about rock. Well, I got, I got some rocky questions coming here. But uh, another guy, though, <laughs> that I wanted to ask you about, in Prince George, was Zdeno Chara? Yeah, big Z man. Yeah, you know, uh, 
probably the only time that I ever, you know, I, I wasn't totally knocked out. Um, but I, I, I remember, you know, only coming to remembering being in the Prince George hospital. I remember there was kind of a scrum in front of, in front of their net. And I went down, I grabbed Brad Mahalko and, uh, you know, Brad, Brad was one of those guys that I just wanted to beat on. I don't know why. He just kind of got under my skin. So here's my opportunity, and I grabbed him. And I was about to start teeing off on Brad Mahalko in a, in a line draw. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, this anvil hits me in the side of the head. Like, splits open my eye. And, you know, really dazed. You know, just kind of defense mechanism. Okay, grab him and pull him in close, whoever this is. And, you know, until you get your bearings again. And all of a sudden, I do that, and I pull the jersey close to me, and I try to get my bearings tie up, and the Prince George Cougar emblem's right in my face. I'm like, oh, oh no, it's Chara. <laughs> so, so he's swinging away, trying to kill me. And so I remember, okay, you know, time it. It's like fighting a helicopter. I say, okay, time it, time it, time it. I try to grab on. Didn't have a good grab because he already has the upper hand on me. And... Um, He's swinging, swinging, swinging. Okay, I'm going to time it. Okay, here I go. I'm going to start throwing. And I reach back and I try to throw, you know, from, from Brandon to, to Lethbridge, uh, yep. a haymaker. And I, I, I wasn't even close. I still think I was six or seven inches away from his face. And as I followed through missing him, his next punch hit me in the same spot right on the eye. And then I remember sitting in the Prince George Hospital with all my gear on with all my skates. And I got 36 stitches across my, uh, across my eye Easy. and it made, it made me so mad. It made me so mad that I don't mind getting beat up, but getting suckered and then getting beat up. It just, it bothered me. It bothered me for so long. And then, uh, it bothered my whole family. I think <laughs> it bothered me for so long. I know it bothered my dad. He was like, oh, you got to get that guy kind of thing. And then I ended up playing with him in Ottawa. And yep. he's such a nice guy. He's such a good teammate. And I'm like, oh, I think that pissed me off even more. <laughs> did, you bring it, did you bring it up to him? No, I, I don't think I ever did. I don't think I ever did. You know, we talked about other stuff. I, I, I think it was never brought up because I think he knew that he suckered me. So I don't think he wanted it brought up either. So, like, I just got traded to Ottawa. I didn't want to make it a thing. I was trying to fit in. You know, I was there. It was, you know, five, four or five years earlier, you know. Yeah. I, just, uh, I wish I would have had an opportunity. Where you <laughs> just, like, that. kind of looking at him in one of the practices, just kind of, uh, you son of a bitch, and just kind of thought yeah, about, thought I about know, running I know, for I know, a second. I I had other people with my eyes on because Rob Ray just got there. I wanted to beat him up so I didn't get sent down to the to the Senators. <laughs> but oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. No. Yeah, you were there when yeah Rob Ray with the Senators. That's just weird. That should have been so weird. Yeah, it was so. But um, well, there we go. We're gonna leave the Western Hockey League on a Zdeno Chara sucker punch. Yeah, um, and, uh, yeah. I remember my roommate. Uh, uh, saying like, oh, he was he he was so upset as well that that I got sucked by Zdeno Chara. He was he was just as upset as everybody else. But hey, you know I've given out a few too, so I can't be too upset. Well, 
Well, so you so ninety eight, ninety nine, you turned pro. Well, first of all, how did um, I'm assuming? Obviously, you went to uh, Florida Panthers camp. How was uh, how was your first NHL camp? First NHL camp, you know, eye opener because uh, for first camp we went to it was just a rookie camp. Yeah, and I, I did, they kind of told everybody at the rookie camp, um, you know, we probably won't take anybody from rookie camp to the big camp. So we had a rookie camp in Florida, and, uh, you know, guys like Pete Worrell were there. Um, you know, there's some guys from the Quebec League that, you know, there's a lot of guys at a rookie camp just on tryouts. Yep. And uh, you don't know who they are, but, they, they, like I said, Brian Murray liked this top guy. So it seemed like, it seemed like uh, you know, the rookie camps were, you know, who's this guy, who's this guy. I actually fought a lot in rookie camp because, you know, like the, the old saying, like, you only have – so much time to make an impression. So make sure you do something. You know, my dad would always say, "Don't do something super stupid, but do something to get noticed. Either you know, run somebody over, or or, or, or do something. Yep. You know, you don't have much time to make an impression, especially your new at camp and stuff like that. So, you know, I remember. I think I, I fought three or four times, three or four times at rookie camp, and played really well. And then you know, expecting just to go back to junior, but. I actually got invited to main camp and main camp was, this was my first year when I was 18. I just got drafted um, that summer. And so this was the, the fall, the next fall. And so I went to Florida, made it through, uh, made it through rookie camp. Peter Worrell and I, and a couple, couple of guys had, uh, had made it through rookie camp. So the camp was in Prince Edward Island, Summerside PEI, where Doug McLean was from. So right from Florida, we fly all the way up to PEI. And now, you know, all the, all, all, all the pro guys are there. And so, you know, Brian Screwland and all, all the guys, that were, John Van Beesbrook, all these guys that were, that were on the Panthers at the time, you know, um, were, were there. And so that's when they're like, holy cow, this is for real. This is for real. Like all these guys that are watching TV are here. And then I remember my first skate and I remember what, what my dad said. You know, make an impression. So the first skate, we're, we're skating around and, and we're having a scrimmage. And Craig Martin's out there. Yep. And he's a huge man, huge scary man. And so I go hit him. And I ask him to fight. And I think he is so surprised because I'm at 18 at the time. And he's probably like in his mid-20s and, you know, been, you know, a legendary IHL tough guy for how, however long already. And uh, so... First skate, I'm 18 years old, and I'm going toe-to-toe with Craig Martin, and I actually beat him. And I think everybody's like, who is this Russian kid, Tedarenko? <laughs> He's crazy. Because that, that's another funny story, because when I went, so I fought Craig Martin, and my defense partner at the time was Bob Halkidis. Nice. Bob Halkidis was, was like, I think he was 35 at the time. Like, yep. he, he played in the eye. He played in the NHL for a long time. He's in the eye. I think he was with Greenboro. Yeah, he was with the Monarchs, Florida's farm team, like just as a veteran. And he's my defense partner. And I was quiet, not saying anything. And I remember Rob Halkidis, every time he talked to me, he'd go, I go here. You go here. And I would just nod. He's like, when I have puck here, you go here. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Like, (laughs) what's wrong with this guy? And then all of a sudden, like this is the three ice sessions in somebody goes, Hey, Tess, can you grab the water bottle? I'm like, 
yeah, here you go, buddy. Man, is this ice session? So I'm just speaking perfect English. And he got, Bob Helke just looks over and gets so mad at me. He goes, what the fuck? You can speak English? I thought you were Russian. I'm like, no, I'm from Saskatchewan. And he was mad and he never talked to me for the rest of the training camp. <laughs> so <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. And that, that was the thing. Like, even when I went into, like, we talked about before the internet and stuff like that, when I went to the American League, a lot of people thought I was Russian. You know, Tedarenko, Ukrainian, Russian, or anything like that. So, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty fun. Well, it was a different time back then, for sure. Um, yeah. Actually, well, now, actually, well, I'm just completely kind of off topic, but, uh, well, we'll get to New Haven in a second, but, uh, like back then, um, like in terms of, uh, you know, now, I mean, if, if you're playing someone, you could just go on YouTube or drop your, well, I guess you can't go and drop your gloves anymore, but, or hockeyfights.com, you could see a video of a guy, okay, he's right handed, he's left handed, he does this, he does that. But back in the yeah, day. Like, yeah, you could you could go see their nowadays. You can see their tendencies. You can actually, you know, as, as the game film that we we did on ice. Like you might see a guy fight, but you can't do research on somebody. Like it's not readily available or anything like that. So you kind of had to go based on <laughs> based on you know guys who had played with them, against them, and kind of like the myth. And there's so many times, and you hear you know how many stories. Like, oh, watch out! He's a lefty. You get red in front of I was like, oh, no, no, watch out for his right. And then, oh, he's a lefty. Oh, sorry. I thought, sorry. I got yeah. it wrong. <laughs> so you just get drawn. Yeah. So, well, I was going to say, even yeah, like you, you, you kind of had to go in and, you know, um, when you're fighting guys from the first time, like in the Western League, you, you know all those guys after playing from just through, just through experience. And once you got the pro, you know them. But, you know, once you've had guys that were – grew up in the OHL and then, or the Quebec junior league, you, it was just only word of mouth. You yep. couldn't actually skip. So it was, uh, it was, you had to be a little bit more cautious, you know? And, and so I think that was a good thing because you were a little bit more defensive, a little bit more aware, ready for anything. You know, I remember later in my career, you know, when you could, you know, kind of look on the internet a little bit, kind of look around and see guys fight. Sometimes you thought you knew what was going to happen, and you just set yourself up for for the unexpected and kind of get hurt sometimes. So I was going to say, or almost psych yourself out, and yeah, psych yourself out. It's like, oh, this guy does this, that, this, this. He's a righty and stuff like that, and, and you know, you know, give get false information because not every fight's the same. Not every fight starts the same. It's not. It's not like a, a technical boxing match or UFC fight. Like, there's so many different variables that, that happen. Like, if you're along the boards in the middle of the ice, or there's so many things that happen. Were you, um, yeah, I know, well, yeah, and then, I mean, we all, growing up, we always messed around with it and stuff, but I know, and doing interviews over the 30 shows here, talking to different guys, some guys just like, yeah, whatever, I grabbed the jersey and swung and whatever happened, happened. Other guys were really, were really kind of technical and really thought about it. Like I had Dean Mayrad on from before and, and he talked like, oh, it was like a, they were constantly working on different techniques and like almost like to a science. What was your take on it? Did you just kind of give her shit or was it, did you really, something you really worked, like really thought about and stuff or did you just? At the, at the beginning, it was just more just, just throw out a fear. Yeah. Throw out a fear, and then you know, as you got into more fights, and kind of there was diff- different checkpoints on you know with the experiences you got, like don't grab here against this guy, or if you don't have a good grab, you know when to not throw the big haymaker, or you know short jabs, or you know 
different angles of your shoulders to roll with the punches and, and stuff like that. Like early in my career, even in junior, I was just strictly right. Like, you know, maybe if I tried to throw a lefty, it would look ridiculous. But, you know, as it got on, I would, wouldn't necessarily be a lefty, but I could set up my right with, with switching to my left for one or two punches and then go back. I was never, I was never somebody that looked at somebody's hands. I would always look at their elbows. Because if their elbow is down, you know it's coming from the bottom. If their elbow is up, you know it's coming from top. So when you're in tight or you're looking at that, you know, trying to pinpoint where their actual fist is coming from, all those different angles, it was easier for me just to wear their elbows. Because if their elbow is up, it's coming from over the top. If it's down and all those kind of things. And, you know, I, I don't know why, but I was maybe it's just because I got, you know, forehead like a, like a 78 Land Cruiser, like, I was really good at taking a punch. Uh, I rolled with a lot of punches. Even when I got square, I could keep going. You know, I was really good. And then that's, that's a big difference. Like, there's a lot of guys that, you know, think they're tough guys until they take a punch. But I was always good at kind of taking a punch. You know, like I said, Zidane Char is kind of the only guy that kind of made me silly. Yeah, I've gotten, I've, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I've taken some pretty good beatings in my day. But not, like, knocked out or anything like that. So, I was always pretty smart once the fights got going. Yeah, some fights got away from me just because the guys just were that much better fighters and they're, you know, the situation. But, you know, after fighting a lot, you kind of learn where to put yourself and not to put yourself in. And for me, it was just more experience. Did I work on stuff? Yeah. But to work on stuff, and like I said, if you work on something too much, you're not prepared for what you don't know. And, you know... You like, could, did, you, did you find as you kind of, like, they always say, like, what I've always noticed of what you talk to other guys, when you first start fighting, when you're really young, you know, yeah, it's like you you don't lose, you lose your breath, you punch yourself out, you're, it's like spaz fighting. But as you do yeah. it more, did you find, like, things really slowed down and you can kind of almost think and sit in the moment, you can kind of slow it down? Yeah, absolutely, because your experience allows you not to be so scared. Yeah. And, and some guys say, no, I was never scared. Well, okay, we'll call it something different. And call it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if you don't have some anxiety about what can happen to you or, you know, these monsters that you're fighting, then you're an alien, I guess. Because for me, you know, if, you, if I didn't have butterflies or, you know, I, you know, a fear of, you know, getting knocked out, I always tell people like, there's no, no better feeling than, than beating somebody up in front of 20,000 people. But, you know, adversely, there's no worse feeling than getting up in front of 20,000 people. <laughs> yeah. So whether it's fear of embarrassment, you know, fear of, you know, bruising your pride, your ego or anything like that, or, or the physical ratifications, you know, there is consequences. doesn't matter what it is. So if you don't have fear of that, I, I, think, I think fear in the butterflies made me a better fighter, made yeah. me a more aggressive player just because it, you, you know, made me more aware of what could happen. So I was dialed in to, to be a little bit smarter when when the gloves dropped. Yeah, well, so, like, you, like you said, anybody that says they're not scared, yeah, if you show me a guy that says he's not scared, I'll show you a liar. Yeah, that's like, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. But, um, yeah, so the... And, and, and so, you know, you know, don't call it fear, but there's a reason why people jump out of planes, too. They're yep. scared, but they like that rush. Yep. You know, there's yeah, adrenaline I, I junkies, was, I guess, yeah. Yeah, adrenaline junkies. And you know what? You know, I didn't always like to do it, 
but there's some times that I really like to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's the only, it's really other than, you know, true combat sports. It's the only team sport that you can do that. And it's such a, you know, cool, rare dynamic in a team sport that you can do that and, and stick up for your teammates and intimidate. And there was back at that time, there was just another element that you could play into it. And, and it was, it was just, it was, it was exciting at times. Yeah. Did you hate, did you hate the guys that were really good at it? Yeah. <laughs> it made it harder. But when you were allowed to intimidate and, you know, do that to other teams, you know, it, it was, it was part of the game plan. Absolutely. No, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so hey, ninety eight, ninety nine, we turn you turned pro, you're in the American Hockey League with the New Haven Beast. Um what was the what was the uh what was the biggest jump or what was the biggest difference for you going from uh junior to pro? Just now you're you're playing against men. Yeah, there's young guys in there, but there's absolute men like coming from junior, junior you're capped off at the twenty year old, so you know, obviously, they're super strong guys and really tough guys. Like, we talked about Kevin Sawyer and Scott Parkers and stuff like that. But now, at the professional level, there's the best of the best. And at the NHL level is one thing, but I, I thought it was always more intense at the American Hockey League level because everybody was trying to fight as much as they could. They were trying to do their best to try and get that opportunity. So my first... Like, I fought in training camps and stuff like that. And, you know, I fought some some really tough guys through training camp and Florida's training camp and exhibition and stuff like that. But now you're in a 72 or 82-game season, and you're seeing four or five men on the other team every night. I remember the first guy that I fought, we were playing the around at Red Wings, and I fought Barry Potomsky my first fight. He was like 20. He was like 30 years old. I was just 19. And, you know, I'm fighting a man. Like, not, not a young man, not a, you know, he was, he was an absolute man. He was at the end of his career already. He played with, you know, L.A. and stuff like that. And he was a really tough guy. And so, like, it was kind of like, okay, <laughs> if you're going to do it, you got to fight men. So, and, you know, that's when it got, you know, a little scary and a little bit more exciting at the same time. Yeah. So. Well, what? Uh, well, and then you like you're you're on the team. You got Cabana's with you there, another Dub boy, and uh, you know you got Jacopin and Lance Ward, and but and yeah. also and also uh, Peter Worrell. What was uh, Worrell like? Worrell, want like just an absolute massive human being. Oh yeah, like and really, Pete was only down for us a little bit. He had played most of the year in the NHL, so he was only down for 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 a little bit. So really, if you if you look at the uh, if you look at the stats, like Scott Levins was there, he had fought a lot in his earlier career. Yeah, but he really didn't want to fight anymore. He scored thirty two goals that year, thirty some goals, whatever it was. He was he was like he was more a power play guy early in his career. Like coming, he played in Tri Cities, he played in the West, but you know he kind of with Ottawa fought and stuff like that to get his NHL games kind of to stay. And then once he he came down to the minors, he was. Uh, he was, he was a big part of our offense, so he didn't fight a lot. He's got a lot of penalty. He had a lot of penalty minutes, so that's because he, he, he was spearing guys and slashing guys. He was a grumpy old guy. But um, really, you know, myself and Chad Cabana did, did most of the work while I was fighting. 
you know, John Jackson, you know, big, huge, could have been the big heavyweight of the league, but, you know, he's a good hockey player, so he, he was kind of, you know, didn't really, I don't, it's not that he didn't like it, but he didn't want to, I guess, the American Hockey League level. I don't think he fought that much in the NHL either, so. No. Yeah. But, yeah, so you guys uh, were like, Jacko was Jacko was a different guy anyway, so let's just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. All right. Yeah. yeah. The, um, well, like you said, you're in that New England division, so you're, you know, and, uh, well, once again, you're, you, you got, well, you have Reed Lowe, you have Tyler Willis, that goddamn Willie again. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, Barry Nykar, Gagnon, and then over in Hartford, like you said, you got Purrington and then PJ Stock and Brent Thompson. Providence has got Terry Virtue and Aaron Downey and Roger Maxwell. I mean, so once yeah, again, yeah. So like, so it's a funny story about. So my dad had came and we were playing Providence one night. He, he he came down to watch me, and and a couple games earlier, Aaron Downey had got the best for me, and you know, and Aaron Downey was really, really, really tough guy. Yep. And so intense, like he just like leather straps and breathe right and just you know risk take everything. He's there to want to kill you. And he uh, he'd gotten the better of me earlier, a couple games earlier, and so my dad's coming down, and and uh, and so I fight Aaron Downey, and I do really well. Like I I beat him pretty bad, rights, lefts, and, and I was like, whew, that was awesome. And everybody's like, oh, great. Even my my coach Joe Patterson, who who was a tough guy back there, he was like, oh, that was awesome, blah blah. blah. Then all of a sudden, a couple of shifts later, Roger Maxwell just tuned me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when is it going to stop? <laughs> I remember Roger, actually, he put me in a headlock, and he was, like, punching me, like, just giving me noogies. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like, what is this, grade six? Yeah. Yeah, what is this, grade six? Are you going to wedge me next? <laughs> just embarrass me? Like, really embarrass me? <laughs> well, so, uh, well, like you said. Good. Like, in that first year, you know, you're, you're finding out where you fit in because, you know, even though – it was my first year. I still want to play the best I can. I want to play my game. I want to, in case there's injuries, maybe get called up, yeah. you know? So I'm trying to fight everybody. I fought Dennis Bondi that year. I fought Downey a couple of times, Roger Maxwell, Barry Katowski, um, you know, just a whole bunch of guys like, you know, uh, Frankie Lassard that just, we played in Memorial cup. I never fought him, but he, he was in Philadelphia um, who else? Um, Hanky Panky Frankie was out there by a Lois. Um, there was just, there was just so many guys yep. to do it. Like, you know, I remember fighting Dennis Bondi and that was, I think it was the year after he had, you know, set the, set the records for penalty minutes in the American league, but he was so good at fighting. He wasn't the biggest guy, but he was strong, thick, and, and he could really, really, like right from last, he was an absolute professional when it came to fighting. Yeah. And not only like just once the, the fight, the, the, the fight started, like I played with Dennis later on in my career in Bennington and I started to understand like his values. He, with his mouth, he would set up intimidation and he would just talk people into having to fight him when people really probably didn't have to, but he was so good at setting the tone of the game with the other tough guy or the other team's bench or all that. Like he was an absolute genius when it came to that stuff. And <laughs> such a funny guy too. And, you know, I, I remember when I fought him, he was, Philly came to New Haven 
And right away, he, he started at me. Little jabs, little jabs, little jabs, like almost making me think that I have to do this. And it, it happened. I did well. I, I did really well, thank God. But, you know, he was, he, was, he was a master at getting in people's heads. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, you mentioned the other. It was more fun when more fun when I played with them than against them. But. Well, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, another guy you threw his name out there. We can't. We won't gloss over him because absolute legend and people have stories of him. And I've I, I've heard a very intense individual on and off the ice. Um, as you said, Frank Bialois. Yeah, Frankie, Frankie, Frankie. Yeah, and, and and just you know, you come into and there's these guys like that. And all of a sudden, you're in your head, like, I don't know if I should do this because they have such a persona, such a legendary, like, you know, it's, it's, I've seen a fight. Unfortunately, like, that's one guy I would have liked to have fought, but I never got the chance to. Um, With Philadelphia, like I said, Frank Lassard, they had Frank Lois, they had, um, who's the other guy? We used to say that, uh, he plays with a, a nylon over his face. His nose is so flat. Big lefty. Um, you say the name. Uh, it sucks that I can't. It's right on the tip of my tongue. What, Ryan Bast? McLaren? Yeah, Steve McLaren. <laughs> that was one guy that a lot of people didn't want to fight. Like, no. He was just jackhammer laughs. And... You know, he could punch right through your face as well. I remember the next year when we were in Louisville and Brent Thompson was on our team and him they would go at it all the time. And I was I was I was I was glad that, that Brent Thompson hated Steve McLaren and loved to fight him so that we didn't have to, but you know, that was another tough guy that, you know, would have been tough in any league. He would have he would have uh, done well, you know, in the NHL. He did well in the American League. He was a scary scary, scary guy. So Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, old Stone Cold McLaren. He's definitely a minor league legend. Um, well, speaking of Louisville, so you played you played two seasons in Louisville, and uh, actually, uh, I wanted to ask you. I noticed. Uh, well, yeah, Joe Pat- Joe Patterson was your coach, but you also Gerard Glant was there. Yeah, Turk was there. Like I, I love Turk, and he's you know seeing his success at the NHL level. I felt bad what happened to him in Florida, but I was happy that he got the second chance or another chance in Vegas and he's just a true player's coach. He, he doesn't hold, pull any punches. He'll tell you if you're doing great. He'll tell you if you're a piece of shit and you know, not only that, but he'll help you. He's got the experience and he's, he's been at every aspect of the game. He fought, he scored goals. He kind of knows what every player is going through at some certain point. And that's what makes him a great coach. And, you know, um, he's, he's always easy to talk to. And he was easy to talk. He always said the right things to to me. And, you know, he was just a great guy to have around. Yep. You know, Joe Patterson was a little different. <laughs> I love Joe Patterson, but he, uh, he definitely wasn't easy to communicate with. And he was, uh, he was, he was just different, but uh, you know, every coach is different. Yep. Some guys love coaches. Some guys hate coaches. Some guys, you know, some guys have their boys. Sometimes you're on the other side of it, but you know, I can't say I had too many bad coaches, but there's a few. Uh, uh, you just play that long; it's inevitable, right? You're, you know, it's just uh, it's going to be a personality clash. But it's like the same thing. There's always 
it doesn't matter what what level you're at. There's always teammates you don't like too, right? You can't get along with everyone. But uh, yeah, you can't get along with every, everyone. But you know, if you're a good teammate, you have to respect them, and they have to respect you back. Yep. That's that's I think one of the biggest things why good teams don't win because there's probably something that doesn't get you there inside the room, not necessarily a talent level or or anything like that. But it, there's a special chemistry that comes into a championship team, and you know it's you can't quite explain it. And I don't think every every everything's quite the same. But every championship team has that thing. Like in Portland, we had that thing and you know it's an intangible what is that thing uh we won you know the Canada winter games little saskatchewan beats you know ontario alberta bc quebec all these big provinces how do we do it well i don't know <laughs> we just had that thing we had that commitment we had that chemistry and and you know you could have sometimes the best players in the world but the best players in the world but Wayne Gretzky didn't didn't win the cup every year. Yeah, he won a lot, but you know, there's still the that that intangible that thing that you know every team has to have. And like we talked about earlier, you have to respect your teammates, even though even though you don't necessarily like them, but you're all there for the common goal. So you know, they better have your respect, and you better have theirs as well. So it's it's, it's it goes both ways. Absolutely, like you always say, it's about the logo, not the name, right? So it. Uh... Um, Absolutely, and you know, most winning teams have 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 a selfless attitude, and you know, and, and that's what we talked about, tough guys. And that I, you know, I put myself in this category. They maybe to my own horn a little bit, but tough guys are selfless, and then they they take on that role yep. just to be able to do it for their team. So, you know, having, you know, I don't, I, I can't remember too many people ever not liking the tough guys on their team. If if they did, they probably didn't weren't like much themselves. So. Yeah, I was gonna I say, I've never heard of that too many times either. But uh, <laughs> no. well, speaking of tough guys, this Louisville team in two thousand two thousand one. I mean, I I could imagine a few folks had the Louisville flu because you're you're there. <laughs> Rocky yeah. Thompson's there. Brent yeah. Thompson's there. Mike Cirillo's there, and a young yeah. cat named Eric Goddard is there. Like, yeah, like we didn't even know who we had in that in that guy right there. Yeah, what was? Yeah, well, what were your first impressions of Goddard? Well, like, we, we, all of a sudden he's on our team. I knew he played in the Western Hockey League. I had I didn't I didn't play against him. Um, all of a sudden there's this just this big kid, like just a big kid, like very similar to. Um, who I played with in Binghamton, Big Aaron, like, yep. you know, they're just the same old, just a big, raw, sweet kid that could kill people. <laughs> yeah, yep. You know what I mean? Like, Gotti was just, and, and, you know, he he just loved being around the guys. And just, you know, him and Rocky were really tight, and, you know, you know he just, he just was such a great teammate. Even as a young kid, he didn't play that much, you know, but then he starts fighting and we're like, holy cow, yep. who is this young guy? You know, like you said, we had Brett Thompson, we had Rocky, we had myself. And I was up and down that year. Yep. Um, so I think when I, when I would go up, he would get probably a lot more ice time and stuff like that. And, you know, Cirilla was the agitator. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, uh, he would run around and, 
know, we have a guy named Paul Harvey on our team who's from Boston. He liked the fight. Um, he actually he got beat pretty bad by uh, Sasha Lakovic that year. Um, took a really nasty punch from Sasha Lakovic, which, which a lot of people did. But, you know, we just had a lot of depth in that area. You know, Rocky would fight everybody yeah. and do well. Brent Thompson loved to do it. Stand in there. I love to do it, you know. And uh, no, we had an absolute, you know, awesome team. Well, yeah. Well, speaking of Rocky, I mean, so you're sitting there, and I mean, um, what what was he like? And and could you see? Because right now, I mean, he's the talk really of um, the coaching world with the success that he's having early on in his coach with Memorial Cup, and then the Allen Cup final or the. Uh, Calder Cup final this year with uh, with Chicago and and really highly yeah. thought of as a coach. Could you see that playing? Like, was he kind of an analytical guy back then? Yeah, he was very focused on on any any task at hand, like any 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 goal or anything that needed to be done. He was very methodical in his thought process of how he was going to do things. Um, you know, at the beginning of his career, like we hung out a lot, such good friends, and but it was more like fighting and drinking beer kind of thing, you know, and then all of a sudden later on in his career, like he, he, he changed. He, he got very committed to fitness and, and, you know, really focusing on, you know, the technical side of things. Well, a lot of people, yeah, they, people know now, but Rocky was a golden gloves boxer and he was a scratch golfer. Like, yep. He's just very committed to the things he does. And, you know, the fight, he was very committed to fighting at the beginning of his career and very technical and, you know, an absolute killer, right? So last, he could, he could do it all. And then he really, you know, once we were in, uh, Louisville and then San Antonio, you know, I think he really was at that point, which a lot of us are. He's, I want to do this for the rest of my life. You know, even after my playing career, he wanted to, you know, get into coaching and really, really get into that. And, and Rocky's a, a very, very intelligent person and so, and very committed. So if he's got a goal set, you know, he's going to do that and he will find the best way and work his hardest at it to be able to achieve that. And I'm not surprised he's an excellent coach. You know, from the outside looking in, a lot of people say, oh, Rocky Thompson, uh, you know, just, you know, another American League tough guy, you know, WHL. Rocky's so much deeper than that, which, you know, people don't understand. And so I understand why he's doing so well as a coach because he, he's always had to work so hard for everything that he's got. And, and, you know, you look at coaches, some, some guys that were superstars aren't good coaches because, you know, they don't understand, like, just do it. How come we can't do that? So they, they, they don't understand how to coach somebody, but Rocky's had to have a process for everything that he's done. So I understand why he's so successful as a coach. Yeah. He's, he's just a really good guy. Yep, no, for sure. And uh, actually, one of the questions I had from a follower out there, an old Bud White, there, he wanted to know. I was gonna before we get into your NHL here. <laughs> there was a fight in Philly, and he said you knocked the shit out of Ryan Bast. And he said, "Do you remember that fight?" Uh, no, I don't. Oh well, there I you go. Don't. I, I, I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, you know, knocking the crap out of Beast. Because uh, Beast was in Portland before I was there, and I, I, I was always there somewhere right after Ryan Bast, and he was in Lowell right before I was there. But no, actually, I don't remember that one. I wish I did. I wish I, Beast was kind of a crazy guy. He was, 
he's a wing that anybody who's ever played with him or against him would, would probably attest to that. And, uh, but yeah, he's one of those guys who could, uh, if you weren't ready, actually throttle you. But, you know, if I did get the best of them, well, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> well, there you go, bud. I, or, I, or I always, I'm, I'm glad Mr. White said it, but usually when I say I don't remember a fight, that means I didn't do so good. <laughs> so I was, was going to say, so this is the not, first time the guy who, who apparently won forgot, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe it was closer than I thought it was or than he thought it was. Yeah, maybe, but <laughs> he had bad seats. He saw it from a different angle, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, here you are in 2000, 2001, you make your NHL debut. Um, I, I would assume, do you remember your first NHL game? And who was it against? Uh, it was against uh, Nashville Predators. I had gone to, so funny story, back to the year before that, I had actually gotten called up to play in Florida. I was in Louisville. And they had called me, they had called me at like 11 in the morning. And they're like, hey, can you, can you, we want, we want, it's weird how they ask me. He's like, how would you like to come and play tonight in Florida? <laughs> so I'm like, what kind of question is that? It was Chuck Fletcher, and, and Chuck's so nice, and just the way he works things. Like, hey, Joey, it's Chuck. I'm like, uh-oh, am I getting sent to the coast? Um, and uh, he's like, hey, uh, you know, we had uh, some injuries here at pregame skate. Would you like to Would you like to come play in Florida tonight? And I'm like, what are you saying? I'm like, Absolutely. He's like, well, your flight's at 11. It might be tight for time. Or your flight's at 1. It might be tight for time, but can you get down to the uh, the rink, grab your gear, and head straight to the airport? I'm like, i got lots of time. I'm like, no, the, the, the rink's right by the airport. He's like, yeah, but the flight's out of Cincinnati, which is like an hour and 10 minutes away. So I absolutely throw on a suit and just leave my apartment. And I fly to the rink. And uh, Brock Miles is there. He's the equipment manager for Washington now. He has my bag ready at the back door. I grab it, and I go as fast as my car will take me from Louisville to Cincinnati. And I, this was before you had your, you know, your, your boarding pass on your phone or anything like that or check-in. I ran to the front of the line. I didn't care. I said, you got to get me on here, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. And so I run through street, get through street, I run to the gate, and the plane is just pulling away. Oh. And so I actually missed my flight for, uh, for my first NHL call-up. And they knew it was going to be, like, I felt, I thought it was my fault. They told them, oh, my God, or you this? So I called Chuck Fletcher. I'm like, I missed it. They wouldn't let me on the plane. They, wouldn't, they were pulling away. He's like, no, that's okay. We'll, uh, you know, it was, it was a stretch to begin with. We'll figure it out. And we'll, but I never got called up until the next year, until the next season, so. But yeah, that's kind of a funny story. But yeah, that's a long summer. <laughs> that's a long say, summer. You yeah. get called up. <laughs> you, you don't get there, and you know. But actually, it was extra motivation when I went to the next training camp. So, yeah. um, next training camp, I I was the last cut. I had fought. I think I fought like seven times in six games. I was I was supposed to play all seven exhibition games, and they actually told me this. They said we're going to give you that off because I couldn't even put my gloves on anymore. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, I just wanted to make the team so bad. And so I was actually last cut. I had a nagging groin injury. You know, I could still play. I wanted to stay there. They're like, okay, you know, great job. It was like, you know, 23-man roster. I was number 24. They sent me back to Louisville to start. But then, uh, you know, within a month or so, they called me up. And it was close to Louisville. I was in Nashville. 
And, uh, yeah, I got to play against my junior coach. He was a coach. Uh, Brent Peterson was, was on the Nashville bench. You know, Nashville's an awesome place to play. And, uh, yeah, took my first stupid penalty in the NHL there, too. Scott Walker just totally ghosted me. He's like, you want to go? And he pretended to drop his gloves, and I punched him in the head. And he started laughing off to the box. <laughs> there I go. I never got into a fight that night, but he, he took advantage of my enthusiasm, that's for sure, the old Wiley vet. <laughs> well, and you, well, you played 29 games. You got three goals. Who was your first yeah. NHL goal against? Ron Tugnut. My first two, two in the same game. Look at that. You're thinking this shit's easy. I thought, Ron, I'm going to win the Calder. This league's a joke. I had actually gotten three goals and an assist in a week. Oh, there. I play- scored my first two on Ron Tugnut. I almost got three that night. You can see how excited I'm getting. You're talking about my offensive output. Um, so, yeah, I remember. Uh, Ole Jokinen and uh, Len Berry were on my line. And we were playing. I was actually getting a lot of ice time when I first got called up to the NHL. So I was playing, you know, 10, the third line minutes, 10, 12 minutes a game. And Ole Jokinen and I break out. Uh, Len Berry kind of sends us on a two-on-one. And I'm just driving the net. Ole Jokinen sauces one across the defensive stick right on my tape. And I just roof it on Rod and tug that on a two and one, a beautiful goal, an absolute beautiful goal. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. The red light was on and I was standing there and it was probably the worst goal celebration. Cause I don't, I haven't had too many of them, but <laughs> it was just so amazing. And then later that period, um, probably skating with my head down with the puck. I look up and all my line mates are changing. So I get over the blue line. And I just throw the puck on net, and it ends up knuckling, a knuckle puck. And he goes to catch it with his glove, and it dips, and it goes under his arm. Another goal. I'm like, wow, this is getting pretty easy. <laughs> and then I had a couple, actually had a couple more chances to get a hat trick later that game. But I think we, we lost 7-6 to Columbus. It was, uh, it was pretty funny. Funny story about that game, like Kevin Adams, who ended up getting traded to us, who was my centerman for a while. He's like, I remember that game. Everybody's like, who is this Russian guy, Tedarenko? Man, can he snipe? And then uh, and uh, Turk was, was their assistant coach. He's like, don't worry. <laughs> he's, not, he's not a goal scorer. <laughs> so he kind of, kind of gave me intel on me. But I was, playing out of my, I was playing outside myself for a little bit. Later on that week, I scored on the Dominator, Dominic Hasek. Hey. And then, yeah. Yeah. I, I wasted them all early. I didn't get another goal in the NHL for another calendar year. I was going to say, so, you, you didn't pace yourself very well. Uh, <laughs> no. well, not. well, one of the characters on that Florida Panthers team is, of course, uh, uh, Pavel Bure. Yeah. Uh, w- what's he like? Pavel was actually, you know, everybody talks about, Pavel loved playing. He loved playing hockey. He he was just like a big kid out there. He loved scoring goals. He uh, he might only get to practice about five minutes before, but he would stay after and do shootouts with Trevor Kidd and the goalies for like an hour, just having fun. He was like, he's a big kid, and he was so dynamic. Like, he was amazing. Like, sometimes he would double shift on my line. I remember this one time, and he could get grouchy and kind of, you know, you know, big league, some of the guys sometimes, well, he scored, I think, 56 the first year I was there or something silly like that. And uh, I remember 
he was double shifting on my line and he's like, why am I out with this guy? <laughs> That's probably what he was thinking. And I remember I get the puck to break out and I could see him streaking through the neutral zone. So I pass it to him and I missed his stick probably by two or three inches. He doesn't move it. And all he does is put a stick on his shoulder and he looks at me, he skates to the bench. And I'm like, I felt so little. <laughs> so he's like, if you're gonna pass him, you pass on my tape, bud. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But he was he was he was a great teammate. Like I sat with him on the plane, uh, a lot of fun. He, when we go on the road, he would take the team out, like he'd take us to Morton's or a high end steakhouse and he'd pay pay for the whole pay for the whole thing. Like he treated his teammates very well. He liked his tough guys as well, like his relationship with Gino Ojik when he was in Vancouver. You know, he he really liked Pete Worrell, Paul Loss and I. You know, he was uh he was he was a great teammate. He was obviously a little eccentric, a little different. Like if you drive a different Ferrari or a different Porsche or a different you know different yeah. car to practice every day, you know, he was a different pay scale than most of the team. But you know, I have nothing to say bad to say about Pav. He was uh, he treated us very well. Well, another guy on that team that was, you know, the salty old vet at this point, but I was always a huge fan of this cat, and he was, a, you know, the power, the central power forward. I mean, he's at the end of the, you know, he's, you know, 34 at this time, but Scott Mellenby. Yeah, Mel, Mel was like, he was kind of the glue of the team. He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he was always pretty quiet, but he always led by example, really professional. You know, he played hard. He played hard. Like he was, he kind of could do it all. He could score. He could, you know, he could check. He would fight when he had to. He was actually, you know, underrated for his toughness. Like when he would get pissed off with Gar, he would, he would absolutely, you know, lace some guys unexpectedly. Um, you know, unfortunately for us, I think Mel was kind of <laughs> frustrated because Florida, Florida wasn't, uh, we weren't the greatest at the time. And, you know, um, but he, he was a great captain for us. He was uh, he uh, he led by example, and uh, you know there was a good group of vets like Mike Sillinger was there for a while, and and uh, Scott Mellenby, um, Brian Scribner was there earlier. He was gone by the time I actually made the team, but going through training camps, um, Paul Loss was a big influence on me. Uh, you know, helped me along. Um, super tough guy as well, like scary tough. He was kind of like Joey Kosher esque. Like if you he tried to punch through your head and he got in the wrong spot, he would. Uh, he would really hurt you. I remember he uh, he he fought Bob Probert one night and absolutely split his forehead wide open with an absolute hammer. And uh, we uh, oh sorry, my kids are coming in. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like Paul Loss is so tough, and then fortunately, like uh, his his his, his uh, career ended prematurely. He fought Jeff Cowan one night, punched him in the helmet, and broke some bones in his wrist, and had to have it fused together and unfortunately didn't play for so much longer after that. So, yeah. But like you said, yeah, underrated. Yeah. Laws was, uh, yeah, him and, uh, well, like we, so you have him and Worrell there and then, well, yeah. and another one, another old blades favorite of mine, uh, Todd Simpson, another dub boy. Oh yeah. Simmer. He was, he was a gamer. He was, uh, he was a tough stay at home defenseman and would fight anybody as well. You know, like, and that was the thing. You know, coming from the West, you know, you had your your real tough guys, but then guys that played out there, you knew could still fight too. Because like we talked about earlier, it doesn't matter if you're a goal scorer or whatever role you played, you still fought. Yep. You know, you could handle it yourself. So, yeah, Todd was great on the back end. Tough, added to our toughness. 
um, you know, PRL, like he's six foot seven and, you know, yeah. super tough. Yeah. And which was, you know, actually good for myself because coming up, I would kind of fight the middleweights in some, some heavyweights, but he would, if there was ever any super heavyweights, he was there. Like, you know, Brashear or all these other guys like uh, LaRock and, you know, he, he was there as a deterrent as well. So yeah. he was at that level. So if there was ever any like super heavy with like Pete, where I was there, well, Paul lost, but I think care of him too. Cause Paul lost was an absolute, you know, you know, caveman. He could, he could rip you apart too, but that's why cause I was so young coming up. It, it kind of allowed me, I did not pick my opponents, but not have to fight those super heavyweights. Not that I didn't want to, like I fought Eric Karen's, didn't do so well. <laughs> Fought some some pretty tough guys. My first NHL fight was against uh, Jim McKenzie, and uh, so it, we were in New Jersey, and I hadn't fought it regular season NHL yet. And we we had just went up. We're in New Jersey, and uh, I don't know why, but from a coaching decision, I, I don't think you know we're up. Jim McKenzie. They sent out Jim McKenzie. Why? I don't think I would go you know, put my power against power just because you don't want them to get momentum. And me being dumb rookie that I was, line up against Jim McKenzie and say, hey, you want to go? And uh, what's he going to do? Obviously he does. But silly me, it was at center ice, so I'm thinking we're going to back up and, and square off. I turn around to drop my gloves, and he already suckers me with the left. Like, totally wily veteran with those pumpkin hands just absolutely smushes my nose in. And I could never get going. Like, I obviously lost that one. And uh, I got my first hockey card. The picture was taken that night, and I have, you know, the gauze all the way up my broken nose. And, I'm, <laughs> and that's the, the picture on my first hockey card after oh. fighting Jim McKenzie, after getting my nose smushed in. It was pretty funny. Well, hey, uh, speaking of that, that's, uh, you know, like we'll kind of get off that for a sec. But uh, to get your first, like, what does it feel like to get your first, you see your first hockey card? Like that's got to be like a surreal feeling. It it is it is like I had had I had had hockey cards like in junior, but just like local set. Um, yeah, CHL yeah. had run the cards before, and then you know I had a hockey card when uh, for Team Canada. Yep. But to see your first card in an NHL jersey, you're like, I made it now. Yep. <laughs> I'm a high roller now. Like I've got an NHL official jersey. I'm on an upper deck card and. You know, that's awesome. And, you know, Upper Deck sends you about 2,000 cards and you got to sign them all. And so that's pretty cool, too. So I, yeah, I was always saying later, later on in life, if I was like a business guy, I'd be hand, that'd be my business card. Yeah, here's my Upper Deck rookie card. <laughs> a little something for you. That would, I'd be handing that shit out to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, who are you? I'm like, uh, I was somebody one time. Hey. I was big, I was big in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I've seen the sign. I've seen the sign on the edge of town. I've seen it. I've got a, I've got a billboard in St. Louis. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you though. Like, so you're sitting there with Laws and Morrell, and I mean, at the time, I mean, there's only so many spots for tough guys. I mean, um, did you ever get the sense that it's like, I mean, everyone's there competing and stuff, but did they like you're kind of after my job? Was there any ever professional? Did you ever feel any heat with them? No, not at all. Actually, you know, we all had really different roles. So, like I talked about, P. Worrell was, like, 
heavyweight, heavyweight, like one of the top five in the league, you know, yep. super big guy, just based on his size. So I, I would never thought that I was going to compete with somebody who's six foot seven and, you know, 250 pounds. Like when I played, I was six foot two, six foot three, 210, 215 pounds. So, yeah, I could fight those guys, but that was kind of out of my league, you know, when I got to the Little Rocks with Shears, Laurels, those guys. And then Paul Loss, he was a little bit older. He actually, you know, he played quite a bit. He played the wing, and he played a lot of defense. So he was the swing guy. So I really didn't have competition with, with him, and he was a great, great guy. He took me under his wing. You know, we, we hung out a lot, and, and it wasn't so much mentoring on fighting or anything like that. He was just, you know there with me you know what i mean and he was a great guy with me and pete and stuff like that we all hung out quite a bit and for me when i got up there so i all the way through my career junior and even my first couple years pro i had played defense so i was a defenseman and then um the year before that i had gotten called up you know they had talked to me on my at the end of my first year in new haven and said you know what you know you're a great forward skater. You're aggressive. You play tough. Um, what do you think about playing right wing? And he's like, we're log jammed with defensemen. Like we have John Jackson, Lance Ward, you know, Dan Boyle was in the system. They just had a lot of defense in my age and they liked what I did, you know, outside of playing defense. So they said, you know, how would you, what would you think about playing right wing? And I said, well, you know, I'll try it. But obviously, I'll do whatever I need to do. Like, <laughs> you guys drafted me, you guys, whatever you want me to do. So I started playing forward a little bit at the end of my first year in New Haven. And then, you know, within a year and stuff, I was playing right wing in the NHL. So I kind of, we all had different roles. So I never, no, I never felt like there was competition. You know, I was, I was more of the, the, the guy that ran around and hit people and then got into fights because I was hitting everything that moved. Yeah, Pete was the uh, Pete was the prototypical heavyweight, and Paul was the uh, salty old vet that a lot of guys didn't want to tangle with on other teams. Like seriously, like everybody knew who Paul Loss was, and I, I think from a fan standpoint, a lot of people, you know, didn't see him fight a lot, but in the league, they knew that you didn't mess with Paul Loss. So I don't think he had to fight as much as 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 he had to. Just well, because he was he was really really tough. Oh yeah. Um, well, an infamous. Speaking of, we we're talking about coaches, um, and you know, in your time in Florida, you kind of went through a couple, but one yeah. of them was Mike Keenan, Iron Mike. Yeah. What are your? What was your uh, relationship with him like? Zero. There was no relationship at all. Oh. I remember, like, I was shocked when Dwayne Sutter. Um, had got let go. I know we weren't doing well, but he had coached at the end of the year before, started fresh that year, and all of a sudden he was let go. And, you know, I was a huge fan of a dog, and he played me a lot. And so, you know, he was very good for me. He was great for keeping me there in my career. Then all of a sudden we get Mike Keenan, which I didn't think, you know, before stepping in the dressing room, that that was a bad thing for me. I thought, you know, Mike's going to like the type of player I am. But it turned out he just, I don't know if he personally hated me, but he came across as he hated me just because he wanted to get the most out of me. 
And the things that he would say to us, the things he would say to me, and just like, he sat me for 13 games straight one time, didn't talk to me, and just bag skated me every day. And I'm like, what do I got to do? Like, you know, I, I'd never had a coach that had hated me this much before. And, you know, just hold, I was on a two-way contract and just hold it over my head all the time. It's like, you'll be in the minors before practice is over and just, you know, just verbally abuse me and, you know, tell me I was a pussy and uh, which would make me fight more. And it was all triggers for him, but somebody on a two-way contract who, 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 you know, could be back in Louisville or San Antonio, you know, just because he wanted to, you know, it was, it was very stressful. It was very stressful. And I, you know, really, really hated it under Mike. And, you know, yeah, yeah, he did a lot of pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty bad stuff to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I was one of them. So I remember when he sent me down to San Antonio, he just, you know, tarred me a new one on every aspect, personally, about my family, about, you know, how I had no skill and just, and then, yeah, we're sending you down. I was like, whoa, what the heck happened there? You know, if you're looking back, uh, you know, always be respectful of your coaches and respect the game. Might have been one of the times where I stepped offside, maybe knocked out a coach, but you know, you know hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. like, how did he like? How did he treat Burry and guys like that? Oh well, you know, the team went as Burry went, so you know, he was absolutely well. Burry had him in Vancouver before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Bird went went through him like he was in Vancouver, then he came to us and you know, he you know, good for Bury. Bury was our you know, he was making nine, ten million at the time and and Mike knew like we go as Bury goes, so I'm not gonna ruffle those guys. I'm just gonna abuse all the young guys. And Mike didn't want young guys on the team anyway. Because he, he he he's not a development coach. He wants all older guys, experienced guys, so the team runs itself, so he can just, you know, be the, be the general and push buttons. He, you know, he couldn't, he, he wasn't, you know, a guy that, he wasn't a player's coach to develop anybody. That's why a lot of the young guys from my era, Florida, were gone. Like, you know, Lance Ward, myself, Chris Allen, you know, a lot of guys were, you know, traded, you know, sent down, you know, after entry contracts or, you know, RFAs and stuff like that. So, you know, he came in there and, and wanting, you know, obviously more skill. I was a different type of player. So I went down to San Antonio and then I was traded to Ottawa. So, but, you know, before that, you know, everything was going well, but that's, that's, that's a lot of it too. Like you have to get somebody who likes you. You have to get people on your side and in your, in your corner. And, you know, Mike and I, I don't, I don't, I really don't think, Mike Keenan hated me personally, but he just didn't see how he could use me. He wanted more veteran skill. And uh, so I was in San Antonio. I wasn't. And then to my, you know, you know, my discredit, I wasn't, like I said, I went a long streak, streak without helping on the offensive side. Yeah, I would play hard and I would fight and stuff like that. But even for a fourth liner, if you're not scoring 10, 12 goals or, you know, five or getting, you know, 15, 20 points. And, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't fill that role at that time. So I think it was easy for him to get rid of me. Well, you, you bring up San Antonio. So 2002, 2003, you, you play a couple games with the Florida and you're in San Antonio. You have 20 tilts. Yeah. But you got some characters in San Antonio mm-hmm. with you too. Again, you're with Rocky, <laughs> yeah. but there's yeah. another character from Massachusetts, from from Massachusetts, 
Uh, Brendan Walsh. Yeah, Walshy. Yeah, I've talked to him on Twitter a couple times. I want to get him on the show. What was Walshy like? Walshy, you know, he's a lot of fun. He is prototypical Boston. Yeah. Accent, stories, has his angle on everything, and he's just a character. He's an absolute character in the dressing room, and he's a really good guy, and he's a lot of fun to have, and he would fight anybody too, and his mouth to the other team and all oh, he was just he was like he was it was like he was the you know jimmy mouth the self from wwf or wwe yeah. he was like more like a uh a manager a promoter the hype guy and stuff like that no oh, i'm gonna fight you and this guy's gonna fight that guy and we're gonna do this and that, that, that. And I was like, holy cow while well, she's shot at <laughs> <laughs> but uh, character and we had so much fun like we had jamie rivers we had jimmy campbell we had walshy we had uh we had Rocky, myself, and it was, it was, a, it was, you know, going to San Antonio. Like I had played in, in New Haven and then uh, Louisville and uh, sort of playing the Myers in San Antonio. Like it was awesome. Like we were, they had had the I team there before. They had had the East Coast team there before, but we were the new American League team and they had a new practice facility. They had a new rink that the Spurs were playing out of and it was just new for everybody. And it was awesome. And, you know, I was, really really pissed that i got sent down from florida and you know i was playing with a chip on my shoulder as well so that's why i was fighting everybody playing hard i want to get called back up and but you know i ended up having a really good year getting traded to ottawa and it was a lot of fun you know it, for for that setting i know it, i look back it's like probably not the most fun to be you get demoted and uh but you know if you're gonna get demoted it's one thing to get demoted to you know binghamton or or lowell or sorry people from binghamton and lowell if you're listening but san antonio is a little bit nicer <laughs> yeah exactly well you don't have to plug your car in and in, in the winter it's always nice yeah well you don't have to you don't have to put uh what's that bar you used to have to put across your your steering wheel <laughs> oh exactly uh yeah the, <laughs> Yeah, what is that thing called? The club. <laughs> the club. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to carry the club in your car. Yeah. No, yeah. San Antonio is great. You know, nice weather, new team. We did well. You know, John Torchetti, another coach that I love to play for. It was a lot of fun. It was uh it, it was a good situation and you know, you know, Rocky was there, a good friend of mine. Um we just had we had a good team. It was it was if you're like I said, if you're going to be sent down to the Myers, San Antonio is a really, really good place. Well, you mentioned his name, and I've talked to him on Twitter a lot. We've had some private conversations, and I've had him on the show for the Christmas special. And of course, he's always tell you know he had some awesome stories too, and uh, and he's on the Blues podcast, and he's got great stories. And you mentioned him, Jamie Rivers. Yeah, that guy's a he's character. A, he's a character. He's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. And, you know, he, he's got great perspective on life. He's like, you know, we're in the minors. We might not be doing well, but, you know, he's, he's always got a positive outlook on everything. And there's a guy who bounced, you know, you know, came out of junior, played world juniors, started his career early, then was in the minors, and then fought his way back. So he'd kind of been through every aspect of, uh, of, of pro hockey. So he was just awesome to everybody. You know, he was a great guy to have on the team as as, as a veteran, you know, and, and he never really thought of himself as, you know, you know, the NHL guy coming down. He just thought of himself as, you know, a, a teammate, and he was just a great 
I wouldn't even say a mentor, just a great guy to be around. You know, he, uh, we had a lot of fun and him and Jimmy Campbell there, they played in St. Louis together. So they were thick as thieves together. And it was, it was, it was really, really fun. There was, uh, you know, looking back, I know, like I said, I didn't want to be down there, but that was one of the funnest years that I had had. Well, and you get traded to Ottawa. Did you welcome the trade? Like, were you happy with it? Well, I'd assume you were, but did. Or... Well, absolutely. Like, so getting sent down from Florida, we had never made the playoffs. Um, bouncing up and down in the minors. Then all of a sudden I get called up to Florida. I play two games. Um, I was playing really well. In my perspective, I was playing well. Um, wanting to get called up. So I get called back up to Florida. It was close to the deadline. And I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to be back up. Maybe they need me. Or I'm going to get traded. My agent said, you know, there's a possibility you're going to get traded. He didn't know where. Because it's not that I ever asked for a trade. I, I was never that kind of person. I just, you know... You know, deal with your deal with what you're given, and just keep your head down and work hard. So I didn't even, even though I got, you know, demoted from Florida after being there for a while, I never asked for a trade. I just, you know, go back down, do your best, and then I get called up. And then my agent says you could be traded. I'm like, okay. Do you know who? He had no idea. And then I played a couple games in Florida, and then a couple weeks before the deadline, I get traded to Ottawa. So I go from a team that wasn't going to make the playoffs in the organization to the, to the president's trophy team. And I'm going straight to Ottawa from Florida. I'm like, they had all intents and purposes on keeping me up, which was amazing. I was like, wow. And then, so it's getting closer to the deadline. I, I play a couple of games in Ottawa, which is a great city to play. Good Canadian city. Um, at the time, you know, the senators had, you know, the best team in the regular season, you know, president's trophy president's trophy like i mentioned and then also the deadline comes and they're making more moves and i'm like "Uh oh you know as a player especially me on the bubble two-way contract you know you're doing the math on on roster spots so it's 23 man roster they had traded for brian smolinski um they might have gotten somebody else i'm not to jog my memory but um they had brian smolinski and then I'm like, oh, okay, and they traded. I forget who they traded away, but I'm still the 23rd guy. I'm like, wow, I might be here, you know, for the playoff run. This is amazing. From going from San Antonio, now I'm on the number, the first place team, and all of a sudden, well, John Muckler was the uh, was the GM at the time, and if the trade deadline is at 4 p.m. Eastern. At three fifty nine fifty nine, Muckler gets Rob Ray, oh. and I'm like, "Are you serious right now?" And so the next day, um, they don't send me down because I know Rob Ray hasn't been there yet. And then the next day, Rob Ray's coming out and he's practicing. And like I talked about earlier, <laughs> I was actually thinking about going to jump Rob Ray. <laughs> in practice so I didn't get sent down and but I didn't and yeah you know, that's one of those other regrets like you know it would have been a good story but you know they ended up uh where Rob Ray's out there and we're skating around and Jacques Martin comes skating he's doing the laps and I'm trying to avoid him and he cuts across the ice and I'll see he's skating with him he's like yeah Joey, uh, you know, um we're gonna send you play very good for us but we send you to the minor I'm like Oh, that's awesome. So I was shipped down to bingo uh, 
for it right after that practice. And then, yeah, off to the Senators, the Little Sens and Binghamton, which were there as another cast of characters that I got to play with. So well, I, like I was you. always fortunate. <laughs> well, you mentioned a big earn. Well, how was playing with Brian McGratton? Brian McGratton was just a young guy then. Yeah. Like, that was his first year. Like, he was just 19 or 20. Well, 19, that turned 20. And he he didn't play a lot. He was there. He was just, like I talked about Goddard, he was just a huge baby, like a huge little boy, but so big, so strong. And, like, people on other podcasts, I think he, one of your former guests had said, like, he didn't even know what he had yet. Yeah. Like, he didn't even know who he was yet. And he was just a big guy. And, and Gratz was a really good hockey player. Like, he had come fr- from wherever, Niagara, or wherever he was playing junior, and had put up really good points. Like, like respectable points, had a respectable OHL career. Yep. And so, um, in Binghamton, he didn't play a lot. Like, he would, and when I came over, when I came over, I was playing forward. And then all of a sudden, when I get to Binghamton, I'm playing D again. So, which is no big deal. I'd flip back and forth every once in a while. Even in Florida, once in a while, I'd take a shift on D every once in a while. So, but when Ottawa sent me to Binghamton, I was playing D. So, I was on D. There was Dean Melanson, who was really tough. There was uh, Dennis Bondy. And then there was Gratz as well. So, like, we had another really tough team. And so, I was always fortunate to be surrounded by all these guys. Like, you know... I don't the, really the only time that I, you know, thought that I might have had to be the only guy was in Portland at the end of my junior career, and then in New Haven there was just Chad Cabana and I. But I, I you know, Chad had I think a lot more fights, a lot more penalty minutes. But I think I was doing the bulk of the the tougher guys, and you know, fortunately throughout the rest of my career, like there was always you know cast the backup or people in front of me like Rocky or Brent Thompson. And then uh, when I was in Florida, Paul Loss, Peter Orell, all those guys. Um, you know, San Antonio, same thing. Rocky was there, and we had a, we had a cast of characters there. And then same thing in Binghamton. You know, it was it was it was it was really, I guess, not a relief. But on the nights you didn't want to, you didn't really have to because Dennis was fighting. You know, yeah, the other tough guy, or Gratz was trying to you know, you know, make a make a name for himself and stuff like that. Well, so guys, that was actually – go ahead. No, go ahead. No, as I said, Gratz was just trying to make him sort of figure out what kind of player he was, and he started fighting and, and doing that kind of stuff. So it was, uh, it was, it was always nice, you know, yep. fight when you wanted to, not fight because you had to. Yeah. And well, there was a couple of situations, yeah. So. Well, you guys even had a tough goalie. The late Ray Emery. Yeah. I mean, he throwed yeah, too. Yeah, Razor. Razor was intense every aspect of the light. Whether we were partying, whether we were on the ice, whether we were walking down the street, he just always had an edge to him. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, real unfortunate what what happened to Ray. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, he was he was an intense individual and tough, so tough. I think he he really I think he wanted to go out and play left wing sometimes. <laughs> he did okay with his goalie gear on, so I don't know. It might have been really scary if he was just in normal player gear. So yeah, one guy you actually it seemed like you fought a lot. I don't know was there per, just the way it happened, or was there a personal thing against? Uh, was a big dude named Yuri Mochevsky. Yeah, Yuri Mochevsky. He he played in Cleveland when I was in San Antonio. We we're in the same division, and. 
I don't know why. It's just every shift we were mouthing each other, and as soon as we got out of there, we'd just go at it, just go at it, just go at it every time. And I don't know why. just one of those things. It was yeah. just like we just looked at each other the wrong way or like just hated each other on the ice. And it was just one of those things. And like, I just, I want to beat this guy. I just want to beat on him. Yep. Uh, just, well, there, you well, hey, there you go. <laughs> it's um, one of those things. You just, and he just rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm sure I did the same to him. And it just, you know, we just had that kind of dynamic and we would just go toe to toe. Yep. Well, yeah. so, so over the summer you get moved to Carolina. Um, yeah. Were, did you, were you like, and unfortunately you only got the two games in with them. Was that, um, I mean, obviously everybody wants to be in the NHL. Did you kind of think you, you didn't get much of a chance there or, or what happened? Well, so the reason what I had a choice to sign there, um, Minnesota, had offered me the same contract as Carolina and Minnesota was totally up front. They were just kind of, they didn't know what was going to happen with Matt Johnson. I think, I think he was still kind of there and he was kind of going through some, some troubles. They wanted to sign me. They said, well, you know, if you sign here, you'll most likely end up in Houston to start They were They were totally honest. Carolina who had uh Bulleries, and he had just got knocked out the year before from Downey and he was out. So they didn't know if he was ever going to play again. And so they said, you know what, you'll probably start in Carolina. And so that, that being said, like anybody's thinking, well, I'm going to go to the place where I'm probably going to start in the NHL. But going through training camp and spending after training camp, I probably spent about three weeks there, close to a month there. Um, they actually told me to get a place. I made the team and everything. And then all of a sudden, uh, Bullery started playing better and he came back pretty early. So, um, he had been there for a while. Um, He'd been there for a while, and I think he was on a one-way contract. I was on another two-way contract, I think. So I just, just the the business side of it, I was sent to Lowell. And, yeah, there I was. I never made it back up there. And, yeah, Carolina was my, my last NHL game. Yeah. And and then, uh, yeah, I was in Lowell. Um, roomed with Mike Commodore. He's my roomie. That was going to be my question. With the uh, <laughs> What's Commie like? I mean, everyone sees the social media and sees yeah. him shitting on Babcock all the time and everything. But. Yeah, I, I've, known, I've known Tommy for a long time since he was in North Dakota. We actually went to, uh, we did off-season training together in North Dakota. We, we, we'd go to a skating camp in the summer. So I'd known Tommy for a long time, and, and, and Tommy is who he is. He's, he's outspoken. Well, not, not necessarily outspoken. He just, he, he says what he thinks. He's a character, and, you know, he doesn't pull any punches, and he had a rough ride with Babcock, and you know, not the only guy. No, nope. so, <laughs> no. Nope. And uh, you know, Kami is one of those guys. When I played with him, Mole, he wasn't an established uh, NHLer yet, and he was a good stay-at-home defenseman. But you know, he just grinded his way into an NHL career. Like he, he, he was really good at university, um, and then he was in the minors with us. He was never a blue chip by any means, but he just grinded his way on, and he's an awesome teammate. Like we talked about before, he gets along with all the guys, and he'll give you shit, he'll take shit, and he's just a lot of fun. He's the kind of guy that'll be the glue of a locker room. Like It's not like he goes out there and he, he runs, the, runs the team on the ice, but in the dressing room, he's a guy that people gravitate to. He's a guy you want to be around, and he does a lot for a team and that's why you know a couple Stanley Cups you know yeah 
Four, <laughs> 400 games made a lot of made a lot of money and two cups and he's doing something yeah. right yeah he's doing something right and then those are those are the people like and, and for the fans they don't see like you might see a person on the ice but there's guys that may not be the best players or you know the superstars but there's guys that are superstars in the dressing room, and those guys are awesome. And you, those guys are hard to find, and you get them on your team. They're they're that's why guys like Mike Commodore make a lot of money and win Stanley Cups. Yep, absolutely. Well, another yeah, guy, he, I have to and he was my and he was my he was my beautiful roommate. I, I, I always bug him. I think I still owe you a couple months rent. <laughs> he's I, he's got you covered. I, I think you'll be okay. I think so. I, yeah. I, he, 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 Send me my rent back for that year. I was gonna say I could imagine how much money he's made off those goddamn in one t shirts. I could imagine. Oh my god, I've got a couple. Yeah, I know. I didn't even get them free. I didn't even get them free. Oh, he charged you? Oh, <laughs> I ordered them. I I didn't want to be the guy like, hey, give me the free stuff. Oh, wow. Well, but if you're listening, if you're listening, Rumi. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> um, a guy. Before we get on, um, I know I've taken up a lot of your time here, and. Uh, Got just a couple more questions for you. But I got to ask, you're in Lowell, and this dude, I mean, he was a high pick, 70 snipes in the Western League, Pavel Brindle. <laughs> like, what, what, uh, what The most happened? frustrating teammate, the most frustrating teammate I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Like, the most, the most skill, uh, I guess, the most skill per non-care ratio I've ever seen any human being in my life. <laughs> yeah. He scored like 70 goals in Calgary in the WHL. And then, you know, we couldn't even get him out of bed to come to practice. <laughs> We'd open his fridge. He would have like a orange crush and a burrito. And then <laughs> it was just like it was everything. He was like, Oh my God, come on, Tav. Come on, Tav. Just half an effort and we won't even bug you anymore. And just, Always had like sourpuss face on. Look, I don't know. Like we didn't know. He never talked. It looked like he hated the world, but I don't know if he did or what. <laughs> it was just so frustrating as a teammate. It was like, come on, Taz, <laughs> let's go tonight. Like <laughs> just, just million dollar <laughs> skill and ten cent head. I guess I don't know. Oh, he just did not want to be there. He just unbelievable. Just like, well, yeah, you had a, you had a, you had a couple tilts. And two of them, you were really uh, against uh, a guy that went on, Colt Moore. Yeah, and and you know Colt is a super tough guy. I'm glad I got him early. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and you're talking about before, that was one of the years when I was kind of the only guy. So, um, you know, in our division, there was Colt and Orr. There's uh, there was another guy. I don't know whatever happened to him. George Peros <laughs> was yeah. in our division. Um, so yeah, I was fighting those guys a lot. I fought, fought Colnar twice that year. I think I fought George Peros like three or four times that year. Um, Trevor Gillies. Trevor Gillies fought and him. That, and you fought my boy um, Mel, Mel Engelstad. Oh, Mel the Mangler. Yeah. And it was one of those things like Mel had been in the eye and then he, we had never played against each other until I was in Lowell. And I, we were kind of like, there was never any ill feelings, but it's kind of like we we're skating around. Like, I think we're supposed to fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like check this one off. Like there was, he had Jason Schmier, or is it, yeah, Jason Schmier on his team as well. Another huge guy. Yep. Um, 
and Mala Mangler was on on there as well in Portland, I think it was. And then yep. yeah, so it, yeah, we fought, and I think we had a pretty good tilt. But it was like one of those things. I was like, I think we fight because we think we have to, which was okay. <laughs> yeah, he's a tough dude, man. Yeah. Mel had some. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, they, that's one guy who who we talked about getting your value out of somebody and, and who who fought and clawed for everything that he got and you know that you got to respect that guy coming from you know Thunder Bay the Colonial League or wherever he started out yep, and yep. you know just just kind of just made his way you know fought his way into an NHL game or however many games he played number sixty nine absolutely yeah well then <laughs> you, you finish out your career in Houston. Uh, you played three three seasons there. Um, you had some interesting teammates, and uh, I want to start with one of them. Um, of course, it was the late Derek Bugard. Yeah. Did you get along with Boogie? Me Bo- oh, me and Boogie were best buddies. Me and Boogie were tight. We, uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he had just come out of junior. He was in the East Coast for a little bit, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to say I took him under my wing, but. You could see a lot of people just because of his size were going after him. They were going after him because they wanted to take on the big guy. Yeah. And you know, early on in his career in the East Coast and junior in the minors, he was very beatable. You could look good against Boogie because he was so awkward. Still, he was he was another one of those guys that was you know not a man yet, but he was so big. He wasn't in great shape. He didn't. He wasn't very stable on his skates. Like even then, if he got a hold of you, obviously he could do some damage, but when we were in Houston, my first, my first year, or whatever, he, uh, he wasn't quite there yet. And, uh, it, you know, he just needed to get in better shape. He needed to get stronger. He, uh, need to get a better skater. Um, not even like skating, you know, forecheck or anything like that, just to be able to stay on his feet while fighting. Just because guys were so strong and, you know, pushing them around and stuff like that. And then, you know, playing with him and, you know, kind of mentoring and tutoring him and stuff like that. And, you know, just little nuances of fighting and stuff like that. I'm like, boo, you just gotta, you gotta get your feet further apart. And, you know, just, you're going to be the strongest guy in the fight 99.9% of the time. Just make sure you have your feet under you and then you can, you can dictate the fight and stuff like that. And, you know, after he started, you know, kind of getting stronger in escapes and then, you know, he got in better shape. He got in really good shape that one summer and then he made in Minnesota and then he just started absolutely one punching the world. And, yep. you know, there wasn't anybody out there for that year and a half, two years or whatever that would came even close to him. No. Nope. So, nope. yeah. And it was, uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I remember, um, I was at an arrows game after I retired and it was like the year after I, I had hung him up and I was at an arrows game and somebody came up to me and they're like, did you hear about Boogie today? No, what? What do you do now? Kind of thing, and uh, they're like, "He's dead," and I just, yeah, it was, it was a tough one for me because we were pretty tight. He was, uh, he was good friends with my, me, my wife, and yeah, he was, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty tough and kind of unfortunate, you know, to hear hear about that side of what was happening, and you know, like we all partied and stuff like that. So you never think about, think about it. And, you know, after he went to Minnesota, I didn't know that, that, that stuff was happening. And that's kind of one of those things in retrospect, you, you always think, Oh, your buddies are okay. You never call them and ask them how they're doing, but you kind of wish that I had called Boogie more and ask him what he was up to. 
Well, it's one of those things, right? You think it, uh, you just don't think it'll, uh, you just don't think of stuff like that, right? And you're in the moment, you're in that bubble, right? The hockey bubble, and it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, other- and then that, that's, that, that was kind of the start of when, you know, you know, mental illness or addiction and stuff like that. That's, you know, I think that was the, the tipping point of when people started, you know, hey, you know, so it's okay to talk to people. Just because you're a tough guy doesn't mean you're, 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 it doesn't mean you're weak because if you don't talk about your shortcomings or what's happening to you. And so, yeah. No, so, absolutely. Well, and that's the it, thing, it, right? I mean, I guess if anything positive came out of it, it would be that, right? That uh, it yeah. certainly, yeah, opened it up a lot, the channels a lot more and made people more aware and really, like you said, brought it, brought it to the surface. And, and uh, yeah, I know for sure it uh, was sad. Yeah, and Rob, Robin Leonard, pointed at the best um over this past year he's like i'm not mentally weak i'm mentally ill and there's a difference like yep you know mentally weak is somebody i don't know i'm probably somebody with low character but just because you have substance abuse or if you're manic depressive or anything like that doesn't mean you're weak it just means you you you're having a tough time it's an illness yeah, or do you tell somebody with cancer that they're weak? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Exactly. exactly. It's an illness. Yep. It's an illness. Well, yeah. one last uh, teammate. Well, uh, before I let you go, I have to ask another. Talking about massive dudes was John Scott. Big John Scott. Yeah, there's a there's a beauty. He's uh, such a goof. Uh, absolutely intelligent man. Um, <laughs> the only guy that I think I played with with an engineering degree. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, probably not too many. You know. <laughs> not too many. I don't think I played too many guys with degrees in general. No. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like John Scott, he was just that another guy that I'm so proud of. Like coming to us, you know, to Houston, and then he just kind of like I said, super intelligent. He figured out how he was going to stay. He's a six foot seven. He understood that people were going to come after him. He learned how to do it early. Um, I'd like to say I fought him. I I taught him a few tips. And uh, yeah, so those two guys, Boogie and, and John Scott. That's I would say those are the kind of the two guys that I mentored because it was late in my career. Um, but yeah, went on to. <laughs> I was gonna say you did. You must have been a hell of a teacher. You did pretty good. Yeah. Oh man, I could teach. I could teach the big guys. Like uh, you can't teach six foot seven, but I did. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think they. I think with or without me, I think they would have done that okay. I'm uh, taking a little bit more more credit than uh, than I should get. But yeah, two really good guys. John Scott's a really good guy. Really proud of his success. You know. Um, kind of funny how it went out with the all-star game and then his career came to an end, but you know, that's the business politics yeah. of hockey. Well, they're, uh, they're talking about making a movie and everything. So we'll see, but yeah, it's in the works. It's you got to work. Well, there you go. We got a book out of the deal. Now he's getting a movie. I think he's doing all right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know who's going to play his part, but <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. To find a dude that big that can skate out of, yeah. Like an actor that's yeah. that big that can skate. That'll be interesting. Oh man. They're just going to have, it's going to be smoke and mirrors. It's going to be every extra and every other, uh, every other actor is going to be five feet tall. So, Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, hey, they don't man. have to find someone you can, they don't have to find somebody you can skate. He couldn't. So it's well, pretty easy. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you know, 
<laughs> serviceable, serviceable. Yeah, serviceable. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a. Well, there we go, man. That was a hell of a hell of a run. Um, do you, um. Well, well, we just talked about your hockey career, and we'll just kind of wrap the interview up. I can't thank you enough for all the time that you've taken. Um, I'm sure the kids and everybody are like, "What the hell is Dad doing?" But um, yeah, what's up? Yeah, getting the getting the hairy eyeball from everybody over I here. Could imagine. Like, we have to be qu- we have to be quiet. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll la- yeah. I'll we have to I'll, hear you. We have to hear you talk about yourself again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll ask you one. La- what, well, what's Joey Tedarenko up to these days? What are you doing? I live in uh, I live in Ontario, just outside of Toronto. I uh, I sell skate sharpening machines and skate profiling machines for a company out of Sweden called ProSharp. A little bit of plug Ola. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, no, it's uh, I actually fell into it a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah, I get to travel around uh, Canada selling skate sharpening machines, working with. Uh, Pro teams, um, you know, sports shops, it's actually, you know, perfect for me. You know, still being associated with hockey, being with sports people, hockey players, doing that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it fortunately it took me a while to find it. And, and I know it's tough for guys after they, after they uh, retire, trying to find something that they're passionate about or being associated with it. You know, I bounced around doing different, different things after I retired. Um, you know, in sales and different things and then came upon this and it's been a good fit ever since. So, yeah, so I can, I can definitely say, you know, happy, happily married, three boys, you know, Excellent. and then, yeah, so life is good. Not, not maybe bad one, for a kid from day, St. Louis. Maybe, <laughs> not bad for a kid from St. Louis. Yeah. And there's a couple of kids from St. Louis that pr- played pro for, for a town of 400 people. I don't know. There must be something in the water. There's Absolutely. been three kids. Three kids drafted out of there, so there you go. Yeah, um, that's some pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good idols coming out of that town. People to follow. So Richie Pilon, Kurt Renier. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, hey, well, pretty cool. There you go. Now the kids are looking to Joey Tedarenko, man. You made it, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you did. You made, you made the you made the show. That's uh, we, we, we all show. we all tried. Ninety nine point nine percent of us fell well short, but you made it. So uh, no man, yeah, I, you know, I, I never take that for granted. I always tell people I'm. Uh, just a kid from Saskatchewan that got to do something pretty cool for a while. And, you know, I never take it for granted. You know, there's, there's things about your career that you would change, but, you know, growing up in St. Louis and wanting to play in the NHL and I got to, so there's no regrets at all. I got to do it in a pretty cool way too. I got to, you know, be somewhat of a tough guy for a little bit, a little while. And, you know, get to, get to play this, play this persona <laughs> hey, it was so, uh, like I said when I told people that you were coming on, they were excited. Yet you, you still got a lot of fans, man. And I was I was a big fan of yours in junior, and it was uh, an honor for me to get to talk to you today, almost three hours. And uh, no, I loved every minute of it, Joey. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, no problem, anytime. And there's so much things that, that you know I forget, and that I could probably go 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 over. And you know, I I know you have a lot of fans for your podcast and your in your Twitter following. Uh, I just uh, hoping that the lady from Portland that used to yell Stinko Tedarenko is listening. Yeah. <laughs> Stinko Tedarenko, that is tremendous. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> used, used to yell out Stinko Tedarenko, draft pick three thousand, get off the ice. 
<laughs> That's hard time. You're getting look- shit talked at home. Holy shit! Oh yeah, is that home? <laughs> like I said, I had some fans and I had some some that hated me. So it was uh, it was a good protagonist antagonist i guess well there we go well you got fans here and i appreciate it joey and i'll let you go thank you very much and uh all right man well have a good night i will you too have a great weekend and thank you so much for having me on making a an old guy feel special for a couple hours oh it was uh, my pleasure thank you very much all right take care thank you thanks man And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 